Hi, this is Larry County, the voice of Lionel from Thundercat. Hey, this is Chris Jericho. Hi, this is Stan Bush. I'm Eric Stewart, the voice of Brock and James from Pokemon. Well, hey, kids, it's me, Townsend Coleman, and you probably know me better as the voice of Michelangelo from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You're listening to Alan Price and Chris Vince. Chris and Alan, the sexiest beast in the UK. You're listening to Alan and Chris. You right now are with Chris and Alan. You're listening to Operation Retroshock. Operation Retroshock. Operation Retroshock. Operation Retroshock. Operation Retroshock. Thunder. 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 Thundercat. Cowabunga! Dudes. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to episode 49 of Operation Retroshock. I am one of your hosts, Alan Price, and alongside me, as always, is... Hi, I'm Chris Vint, and uh, apologies if I sound a bit depressed, because I've having to listen to Alan Price twice, because I can hear him across the room and then in my headphones, and it's uber fun. It is? Of course it's absolutely fun. Yeah, it is. Why? Why stop taking your headphones off? It's only whenever you talk. That's that's going to get tiresome very, very quickly. I won't. Are you sure? <laughs> yes. I can just start repeating the same word over and over and over and over and over and mind freak you. When are you going to start that? <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> so, welcome to episode 49, everybody. This has probably been one we've been looking forward to quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. Um... If everybody doesn't realise there was a certain film came out. Top Cat? No, it's coming out. Okay. We'll have to review that at some stage. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. Okay, yeah. But, a certain movie called The Avengers, or Avengers Assemble in the UK, because they didn't want to get us all confused because there was a TV show called The Avengers in the UK a like f- a million years ago. And then they made a film of it with Uma Thurman and it was god-awful. Sean Connery. Correct. <laughs> but what we're going to do is we're going to have a little discussion. And we thought we would bring some gentlemen on the show to help us discuss that. So, gents, if you would introduce yourself... Over to the comic genius first. Oh, I thought I thought you said gentlemen. That's why I was I was waiting for Mike to talk. Right. <laughs> That's why I went the comic genius route. <laughs> hey, yes. Well, it's me, the kid in the corner with all the comics, Ryan Porter. How are you guys doing? I'm doing fine, thank you, Ryan. And yourself, sir? Uh, so far, so good. But we just started. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris's co-host. On my former show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Introduce yourself, sir. Ah, it's me. It's Mike Lacey. Woohoo! Party! Oh, don't make that noise, Alan. That hurts. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, there's four of us here. I think this is the most guys we've had on the show in about, 
what, about 30 or 40 episodes now? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say 30 or 40 years, but like we haven't been going that long. But yes, uh, quite a while. Uh, obviously, Ryan has been on with the Rocky special whenever mm-hmm. all hell broke loose towards the end of it. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, Just like so. a Rocky movie. It's all, it was all, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. all, it was all <laughs> Indeed. It's because our vision was impaired. We couldn't see where the microphone was and we're just talking. And then and dogs stuff. were running in the room and everything. It was just so much. That was just you with your Morris dancing bell. So be, be honest now, be honest. <laughs> no, I will not admit that. Okay, can we get on with talking yes, about Yes, we'll get you? on with it. Get on from the madness. So what we're going to do is we've all picked... A character from... No, we all, we all picked and Ryan got lumbered, but Ryan was happy enough with what he got lumbered with. <laughs> yeah, I was alright with what, what happened there. <laughs> he was willingly forced. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, put it whatever way you want. But what we're going to do is, because we're going to discuss the Avengers, that will be at the end of the show. In the lead up to that, what we are going to do is go in chronological order. Um, we are going to discuss my subject, Iron Man. Uh, we are going to discuss Thor. We're going to discuss Captain America, and Hulk is going to be in there as well. So, are you wanting to start first, Chris? Or no, Iron Man starts first. It goes. It does not go. Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Thor, Captain America. I think so. Is that right, Ryan? Yes, it is. Yeah, Iron Man two thrown in there. Or something. I was going to say. I don't know if you wanted to lump Iron Hulk. Man two in with Iron Man or how you wanted to do that, but yeah, so Iron Man two would go between Hulk and Thor if you wanted to do it that way. There we go. We'll, we'll go Iron Man then first. We'll exclude the really rubbish banner. <laughs> so yes, yeah, let's let's get started. No one's allowed to talk. Is that it? You can't talk. No, you intimidate them. Good God, you're a woman. <laughs> is it better to be feared or respected? And I say, is it too much to ask for both? I humbly present the Jericho. Tony Stark Now you work for me What are you building Stark? Your eyes are red Your tears for your long lost boss Tears of joy I hate job hunting. Yeah, vacation's over. Welcome home, sir. Put up the scanner, will you? What happened over there? I had my eyes open. I want to protect the people I put in harm's way. A man with a dozen of these can rule all of Asia. Yeah, I can fly. Let's see if this dog can hunt. So the upgrade is complete. Tell you what, throw a little hot rod red in there. Damn. Good luck keeping up. What's going on here? Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. There's been speculation that I'm parading around as a superhero. 
I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly. Hello, Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's Janine from Ghostbusters. You trying to reach Operation RetroShock? Chris and Alan? Well, Chris and Alan will be right back for Operation RetroShock. That's right. Thank you very much. Center. I'm sorry, he's very eccentric. I want one. No. If you can make God bleed, people will cease to believe in him. They will be blood in the water. And the sharks will come. turned over to the United States of America. I am Iron Man. The suit and I are one. Contrary to popular belief, I know exactly what I'm doing. What? What I saw you do to Tony Stark on that track? Wow. You need my resources. I want to make Iron Man look like an antique. This whole lone gunslinger act's unnecessary. You don't have to do this alone. Plays textbook narcissism. Agreed. So, what was everybody thinking when this was coming out? Obviously, this was kind of the Kickstarter for the start of the Avengers. Um, any memories, uh, Mike, when this the build-up for this was coming out in the cinema? Well, Iron Man was always one of those characters that was not always at, at the top of the bill. Mm-hmm. You know, for for Marvel, you had Spider-Man and Hulk and Wolverine, and Iron Man was kind of you don't want to say B-list, but he was not. He was the next step down, so I didn't really know what what to expect. We had already had a B-list movie with Daredevil, and it wasn't exactly. Sorry, can I correct you there? Great. It was Daredevil. <laughs> so I wasn't quite sure how they were going to uh, approach the film with Daredevil. They had the uh, you know the, the Man of the Hour in Ben Affleck, so they had a little bit of name power there. So I thought it might be better than it was, and it wasn't exactly so. Getting Robert Downey Jr. 
it was promising because he's such a good actor, but I didn't exactly know quite how they were going to do it. Now, this was also the first film made under the Marvel Studios banner. So it kind of was the kind of the, the guinea pig, the, the testing ground of how their films were going to start being. And it was completely blew me out of the water. Um, I, I didn't know what to expect, and uh, I'm, I'm certainly glad with the results that we got. It was a phenomenal movie. Cool. Uh, Ryan? Uh, yeah, just uh, not too much different than what Mike said. I guess for me, the biggest thing was, as Mike touched on, that it was coming out under the Marvel Studios banner. It was the first movie that Marvel was going to be in control of, and it wasn't uh, it's going to have a lot less uh, studio hands and opinions and, and things messing with it. So that was the intriguing part for me heading forward. And I think the reason it still resonates with so many people is how unexpected and out of nowhere it was. I don't think people were expecting much of anything. And it just became this huge phenomenon, and it was so good and so unexpectedly so that uh, I think that's why it still resonates with people and is still most people's favorites of the the batch of movies that we're talking about here today. Uh, for me, I kid you not, um, when this was all in the run-up to coming out, um, I was not very knowledgeable about comics and such. Um, so oh, yeah, I'm, right, I'm right with you there. Right with <laughs> yeah. Ryan's just hung up, so he has. <laughs> I'm still um, here. You guys, make, you guys make me feel smart, so I'm gonna hang around for a little. You've grown to love comics since then, um, but back then I didn't know a lot. I obviously had known about Spider-Man. I know about all that sort of stuff, but again, I was like, "Who's this Iron Man fella?" So when I was in, I remember seeing the trailer for this movie. Um, I can't remember what it was attached to, um, but the teaser started with the whole in the cave. Mm-hmm. he was captured thing and I you know you see this guy clattering and banging you know and I remember thinking is this like the man with the iron mask or something because <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember there was a movie that came out you know years prior called or Leonardo DiCaprio was in that yeah yeah. I was like is this something related <laughs> or something like that <laughs> so I was completely... the man with the iron mask who's mobile is that what you <laughs> thought it was called or something so I was completely out of the loop um, but uh, needless to say, when I saw the rest of the trailer, it very much piqued my interest. Because um, what what is there not to like about having your own awesome suit that can do all this sort of stuff, the flying about and all that sort of thing? So that got me really intrigued for it. And don't you yawn? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just listening intently to you, and it's tiring. If you're, if you're tired, then off you go with yours. I honestly, I was like you. I've only really known about you know Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, kind of, and uh, um, Hulk because I used to watch the Incredible Hulk with Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno whenever I was younger. Uh, apparently, I used to attack the um, TV with a knife. Uh, why my <laughs> par- parents let me have cutlery was beyond me. But anyway, <laughs> the blunt knife. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I've never seen pictures of the TV. In Were you attacking the Hulk or Bill Bixby? Uh, maybe a bit of both. Uh, maybe it was. Uh, I thought I'd get two with one or, stone. Or was the Hulk just promoting anger in children? I don't know. I don't it know. Could be. Had you um, jelly babies or something? Yeah. Well, basically, like with Doctor Who, people had the Daleks to be scared of. I was scared of the Hulk. Okay. But <laughs> I've I've calmed my fears um, and my anger pretty much like Bruce Banner. Um, I would argue with the anger thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, don't poke me with any sharp pointy sticks and I'll be fine um, so yeah um, I, I had no clue about this Iron Man thing at all and it was only whenever I think it came out on DVD and I rented it out and watched it and 
fell in love with it. Um, I don't think they could have done any better with getting somebody to play uh, Tony Stark like they did with although for some reason I don't know why but it just came into my head of picturing Charlie Sheen in the Iron Man oh, thing, which, which is just, just you know like from one person who like had real bad problems to another but you know Robert Downey Jr. just kind of embodies Tony Stark and I think you know like there's you know Harrison Ford was made to be Han Solo or Indiana Jones Robert Downey Jr. was made to be Tony Stark well this is speaking we'll, we'll kind of go up and move on to this and Robert Downey Jr. Um, again I didn't really know about Robert Downey Jr. before this movie I remember he, I think it was he was in Ally McBeal or something like that uh, years ago that's about at the height of my knowledge <laughs> prior to Iron Man so this again was really fresh so basically since this day I just see Robert Downey Jr. and I'm like Tony Stark Mm -hmm. you know he he embodies that character he has become that character Um, mind I don't I try to ignore that fact when watching Sherlock Holmes Um, (laughs) what do you think you go like dear Watson and just changing the Iron Man outfit (laughs) good crossover you know come on um but um, what did you guys think of uh, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Ryan? I, well, I definitely remember joking at the time that, well, if Marvel needs someone who's a jerk, to, or someone to play a jerk with substance abuse problems, uh, they found a jerk yeah. uh, who has a history of substance abuse problems. Because <laughs> uh, Robert Downey Jr., to me, I know that he did a lot of things, but before Iron Man, he was, I was, he was always that character in the 80s comedies like uh, Back to School and uh, Weird Science and that was who I thought of as you know when I thought of uh, Robert Downey Jr. prior to Iron Man but I I really liked that they went unknown especially because well not unknown I'm sorry somehow that was terrible slept off the but face certainly not a, like we talked about with Ben Affleck and Daredevil like that was a clear mistake like I don't care yeah. if Ben Affleck's a Daredevil fan that's great but I don't need him to be a fan to play the character Yeah, and they kind of they took uh Robert Downey Jr. off the scrap heap, uh, I guess pun intended, and <laughs> and uh, made him this character. They needed a, an actor with chops, but they needed somebody that wasn't going to overshadow. And obviously, he kind of ended up doing that anyway. Mm. But um, you know, you're in a suit of armor. You have a helmet and a mask. Uh, you don't need the uh, the star who has to have his face on the screen all the time. Although the mask always ends up coming off. But uh, that's a Hollywood thing. So I wasn't uh, like blown away by the choice, but I certainly had no problems with it either so cool mike yeah i was actually kind of surprised with the choice chris kind of made a a joke about about um charlie sheen but it's really not that far off yeah because at at, at the time robert downey jr was kind of seen as that charlie sheen type guy always in trouble with the law uh, substance abuse um, kind of a a bit of a joke a guy that had uh, i believe he actually won an academy award for chaplain and kind of, you know, pissed it all away. Yeah. So the fact that, you know, Marvel chose him to to be Tony Stark was kind of something that was kind of something out of left field. Um, I, did, yeah. I didn't know what to make out of it. And to be perfectly honest with you, it served as a launching pad for, you know, a, a resurrection of his career. And now he's gone on to do so many other things. And he, like, uh, like you said, he is Tony Stark. Um, I don't remember from any of the other films that I've seen with him playing a character, anything even close to what he's doing with Tony Stark 
yeah. with just the, the the simple fact with all the quick wit and and, uh, and the banter that he does. I mean, he is just you know you know click 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 right on point with with everything that he's done with this character, and it's been a total a total surprise and, and a pleasant one. So I'm glad that they made that choice. I'm glad that they didn't you know go with anybody else. You know, a, another large name um, flavor of the month at the time. So yeah, I'm Tom glad Cruise. that. Right, so and, oh, anything, that anything nice. like that. He, he was in the running for a long time to play, uh, like even before Marvel Studios formed. When they thought, when they when, when an Iron Man movie was was being kicked about, it was always Tom Cruise's name was attached. <laughs> Iron Man so, on stilts. I was about to say <laughs> Mini Iron Man. <laughs> that would have been terrible. Um, we've oh, we've mentioned our main guy. Um, we'll qu- have a quick blast through the supporting uh, characters. Um, first of all. Jeff Bridges. <laughs> well, if you want to start, then go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, the the man can do no wrong in my eyes. Uh, obviously, uh, most notably for me, at least, is the Big Lebowski. Yeah, but uh, I don't Absolutely. think there's ever been a role uh, I've seen Jeff Bridges as that I didn't immediately and thoroughly enjoy. And I think it's it's part of him as an actor. He starts off at the beginning like this father figure to Tony and you totally mm-hmm. believe it. But then by the end of the movie he's a he's the villain and you totally believe that too. So I think somebody like Jeff Bridges in the range and his abilities uh was perfect for, for that role and uh nearly stole the show a few times, which is no small feat with uh what Downey did with uh Tony Stark. Cool. Mike No, I I, I exactly like Ryan said, he's he's always the dude for me. <laughs> <laughs> um he was a really phenomenal in in this role, and he really plays that sleaze bag perfectly. You know, you, you're kind of you, you were under the assumption that he had Tony's back the whole time until you finally realize, oh, you know what? He's he's the one pulling the strings, and he's the one that is double dealing behind Tony's back, and you know, out for himself and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he he really is suited for that role. Yeah. He he does just perform fantastic in anything he does, in my opinion. He just blows out the water. Um, one thing I have to give him credit for in this especially is I remember from watching the extras when the um, DVD first came out that he actually fully embraced the character and shaved his hair off, basically. Um, actors could just go, uh, you know, use prosthetics, cover my hair up, I don't want to be bothered. He actually went and just shaved his entire head off. Head off? Hair off. <laughs> okay. Shaved his entire head off. That's, he really that's embraced commitment. the role. That is yeah, commitment yeah. right there. <laughs> but, he definitely wasn't Red Skull, just in case yeah, you're getting confused there, Alan. <laughs> but uh, that and just the fact of... I think what helped his character was all the wee tiny things. Is Not only was his... I don't know, this is going to sound really weird... But his likes of his dress sense and just the wee other th- tiny things he had were just that wee bit different to what Stark had. Oh, you mean like the Alberto Del Rey with the um, the like uh, scarf thing going on? Scarfs and <laughs> shirts and all because he he was wearing a shirt. I remember around this time. This is when this sh- the shirt he was wearing when you first see Tony arrive back mm. at Stark headquarters. The striped shirt, but the white collar. That was a shirt that had very much gone out of fashion years ago, and it actually got brought back around this sort of time frame, and that kind of helped differentiate him. And also there's the scene where you see him, he's about to uh, 
see Tony and all that sort of stuff at the reactor, and he's sitting there just with this big cigar. Yeah, it's like it just suits Jeff Bridges, in my mm. opinion. Um, what about you? Just the same. Uh, yeah, I, I just I, I thought he did really really well. Um, I think the way I, I think he certainly did a lot better than. I'm sorry, but I can only call him Guy from Galaxy Quest uh, did in the second one. Um, I I just thought he did fantastic job. You know, you bought into the, the character, you know, and you could kind of maybe see a bit of jealousy, you know, whenever you, um, like at the start, you see um, them unveiling Tony Stark, you know, as, you know, this, this genius, and then he has to get up and take the award and go like if I was Tony Stark I would say this and go like you're thinking oh but you're not and then you know I find out later on that you know they've tried to kill him and uh, kill Tony Stark and stuff but I, I just think he did a really good job and um, you know you always have a real you should always have a real good lady man and a really good um, supporting act supporting cast mm-hmm. and he was the foundation on that as far as I'm concerned well, I think uh, before we get to Pepper, we must oh, we really? must discuss Pepper. <laughs> we must discuss Mister Replacement, and that is Rhodes. I cannot remember the actor's name for the life of me. Terrence, Who, Terrence Howard. Howard. There you go. Him. Um. <laughs> him. Yeah. Him. <laughs> Jeff Bridges, and him. Out of everybody in this movie, I thought his acting was the most flat. It just seemed very emotionless to me. Um, I could have seen, you know, the likes of the lines that when Tony is found and all that sort of stuff and he says, you know, about the fun V and all that, like, you know, mm-hmm. next time you ride with me, yeah. not the fun V. You know, the fun V. That could have been delivered so much better. That could yeah, have been... Or like whenever he sees Tony as Iron Man and goes like, oh, Tony, you crazy son of a bitch. And then, you he, know, like, and then he looks at the Mark II and goes, oh, next time. Yeah. Thing, you know, yeah, that was see that to me was the only line he delivered with any emotion, and he didn't even get to follow through on it. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much like the guy who played Panaka in episode one. He was asked to come back for episode two, and he went, "No, no, I'll go and do a really crappy BBC TV drama called Casualty, and I'll do that instead of doing this global, this popular thing called Star Wars." It's like crazy fool. <laughs> Uh, so is that pretty much the same opinion for you guys, Ryan? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I, I guess a, another member of the cast that's uh, an Academy Award nominated actor. Uh, he didn't win. Like I think uh, did Downey win for Chaplin? I think he did. And Jeff Bridges is Oscar nominated, and Gwyneth is Oscar nominated. And there's just a lot of talent in this in this movie. But Terrence got totally overshadowed. He didn't do anything to to bring himself forward. Like uh, Downey, well, Downey's the star, so that's not really fair. But like Jeff Bridges did, um, and he was not missed at all in the sequel, in my opinion. Not that Cheadle did a whole lot to impress me either, but we'll get into that later. Um, so no, I it, he was all right, but there was nothing uh, nothing missed when he didn't show up the next time. Yeah, what what about you, Mike? He didn't do anything to stand out for me, but I didn't really have a problem with the performance that he put in um i i also didn't mind that he got replaced by don Cheadle in the sequel either i I'd be honest with you before iron man i hadn't seen anything w- with terrence howard in it i knew who he was like you know mm-hmm. by seeing his face and hearing his name but i had never seen a film that he was in so i didn't 
know anything going in, you know, have any expectations of of, yeah. of him doing anything. To be perfectly honest with you, and he kind of was he was kind of just just there. Um, he was a little more comedic, I think, than Don Cheadle was in in the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in you know all the incarnations that that I've read in in the books, Rhodey's not really that funny of a character anyway. He's not right. a, a comic character, so I wasn't really expecting that either. So, I yeah, mean, well, you, you wouldn't expect I, him to be too comedic, being sort of an armed forces sort of guy. Right. I mean, I could have gone either way with Terrence Howard. Mm-hmm. Chris, what was it you were pointing out to me there? Oh, I was just I was looking up to see about this guy we're talking about um, from the first Iron Man and came across Iron Man three. So apparently, um, is there a character in Iron Man called Aldrich Killian or something? Is that correct? Or uh, doesn't ring a bell. Okay, I, well, I don't know him. It says on this here that Ben Kingsley is going to play the Mandarin, and Guy Pierce is going to play Aldrich Killian. So Guy Pierce apparently is going to be in Iron Man Three. Um, I only know this fella from uh, playing Mike the Mechanic in the Australian TV soap uh, Neighbours, um, and obviously he's been in a couple other films. You're talking about well. Guy Pierce? Yes. Yeah. L.A. Confidential. Um, yeah, I think I remember hearing that the character he's playing isn't from the comics. Um, All right. And I'd heard, I, I'm looking at IMDb right now, and I see the Mandarin next to Ben Kingsley. But according to Marvel, he's not playing the Mandarin. So, oh. Well, IMDb, you kind of can't take, you know, you have yeah, to take yeah, well, IMDb exactly. with a pinch of salt, like, because it's, it's pretty much Wikipedia, only, you know, It might just be Marvel wanting to, uh, well, mm-hmm. Keep keep sure. something as under wraps as long as they possibly can. Mind, I absolutely love Ben Kingsley. So if he was somewhere involved in an Iron Man movie, I would be. Yeah, but Ben Kingsley for me will forever be tarnished with playing the Hood in Thunderbirds. Oh, don't get started. <laughs> well, I remember reading somewhere that John Favreau didn't necessarily want to use the Mandarin, but John Favreau's not attached anymore. Yeah, to, you no, know, so so that may have changed. He isn't. He isn't involved at all, is he? Or is he still like you know a consultant or a producer? Or he might be. A, he might be a He's consultant probably. or a producer or something like that. But yeah, he executive produced Avengers. He might yeah. be staying in that role. I only noticed that in the credits on my third viewing. <laughs> of what? That Favreau was an executive producer in Avengers, but no. we'll get to the Avengers in a bit. Um, well, quickly, uh, I won't say touch on, but uh, speak about. <laughs> 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 but we'll speak about uh, Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper. And as Chris seems so enthused, we'll let Chris go I first. I Gwyneth Paltrow with a furious passion. In fact, out of all these films that we're talking about, there's only one female actress that I could stand, and that's from Brian's pick as Natalie Portman. I cannot stand Liv Tyler. I can't stand Gwyneth Paltrow. I, I don't even know who the female is in Captain America, to be brutally honest with you. Um... Because it wasn't Captain Britain, but we'll get in touch with that <laughs> later on. Um, and Carson Dunst for me, I just um, just shut her up because she just screams too much. Uh, so yeah, Natalie Portman's the only woman in all these that I can actually stand, and that's from even watching her in Star Wars films, um, which says a lot for her character. Um, but no, I just don't like Pepper Potts, and I don't like Quidditch Paltrow, and um, the fact that she called her child Apple, kind of. Unless he wants sponsored uh, by Calm down, stop getting all personal now. You don't have to start attacking the poor child. Yeah, you're taking, a, taking a little far, Chris. <laughs> no. <laughs> too much, no, I'm too sorry. much, man. I'm sorry. I'll go and have a banana. Oops, that's her brother, sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> for me, um, I think 
Gwyneth has got better as the movies have progressed. No, you're wrong. <laughs> All right, fair enough. That's, again, your opinion. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with Mike and Ryan, but I'll disagree with you. <laughs> um, but I think she's got better as the movies have gone on. Um, she was all right in the first Iron Man, I think. But again, I think it was a situation with Downey sort of just stealing the show. Um, what about you guys, uh, Mike, first? I really liked her. Um, I, I was not a big fan of her beforehand. Um, I mean, she was in some movies that I liked. You know, she was in Seven and you know a couple of other movies that I, that I saw, and, and she was all right in those. But I, I thought she was pretty good in this. I, I didn't have a problem with the performance that, that she put in. I thought she was funny. Um, I thought she really kind of uh, had a good, you know, had good uh, chemistry and back and forth with Robert Downey Jr. I didn't have, I didn't have an issue with Gwyneth Paltrow in this role. I thought she was pretty good. Cool. Um, next, Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's yeah. what I said. Next, go, no, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God! I'm, no, I'm panicking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I really liked the chemistry between the two, too, and. Uh, no Tutu problems with the ballet with Gwyneth. What was that? Tutu is their ballet. Yes. Shut up. Oh, just shut up. Stop interrupting. Uh, and just the the character is is a step or three above a normal like love interest. She's there as like an emotional support for Tony and a confidant, and and uh, she does a lot more than Alfred ever did for Batman. But um, hey hey hey. But um, I yes. I had no problem with Gwyneth. I don't know what Chris's problem is. So. <laughs> I just don't like her. I'm sorry. That's all right. You're allowed. <laughs> Thanks. You're allowed just because it's you. Um, we'll move on and do favorite moment, I think. Um, for me, there is quite a bit in this movie that I could just say is fantastic and I adore most of it. Um, but for me, I think sort of the favorite section of the movie is where we see him sort of when he's up with the planes and he's talking to Rhodey and all that sort of stuff and he's like I'm jogging in the canyon oh wait I'm in the car going to the canyon where I'm going to jog those sort of things it was just Downey again proving how good he was um, but there is there's so many other scenes that you could just say were fantastic um, Mike um, my, my favourite parts of the movies um, is when he's testing out the armour for the first time and uh, he's kind of botching it, and he's trying to decide, you know, uh, you know what percentage of thrusters to use and and, and the like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he decides to to use a, a a little more thrust than he should, and it and it flings him backwards, and you know, into the wall. And, and oh, and that's just when he warn- <laughs> that's when he warns Dummy about if you uh, use the extinguisher more time, I'll donate you to the local college. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I I I love that that interaction between him and the uh, and and the robots and, and stuff. The, this was really a lot more comedy than I, I I had expected going into it, and I think it really works well for Downey and his portrayal of, of Tony Stark. Cool, Ryan. Um, probably breaking out of the cave uh, when he builds the 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 ramshackle, the Mark One, I, I guess is what they call mm-hmm. it, but the the ramshackled suit and. Uh, has to escape out of the cage or the cave. Sorry, uh, it's probably my favorite part. But the part that always cracks me up and is probably my favorite, like little moment of the whole thing, is when the uh, the scientists are telling Obadiah Stane that they can't, the technology doesn't build. Oh yeah, and he like blows up at him and tells them that Tony Stark was able to build this with a box of scraps in a cave. That 
<laughs> that's again just my love of Jeff Bridges maybe coming through, but that moment right there always cracks me up. It's probably my favorite little bit in the whole movie. <laughs> that is awesome, Chris. Um, I like whenever he, he puts the armor on for the first time and he says, you know, like he goes out and flies I'd out test. and stuff. And he does the test flight and he comes back and he puts his arms out and he, he like deactivates the thrusters and he falls all the way down onto the car and then the robot thing turns around and puts a fire extinguisher <laughs> thing on it and that just cracks me up all the time plus the fact that I can't believe that none of us talked about Agent Coulson in this film either oh, we can discuss Agent Coulson if you wish that's uh, fine yeah we do, we do we fail for that yeah <laughs> so, we have to speak um, about Phil you know, yes, there, exactly. go ahead. You mentioned him. Big, go ahead. Big, big Captain America fan. You know, as everyone will know. Yes. And they were in his locker. They weren't on him when yes. stuff happened. Shh, that's but, Avengers. I know. I know. But, but um, you can speak about Coulson and Captain America because we can kind of link it in here with Iron Man too. You know. No. Well, I was just going to say that you know, it was a kind of a bit part character for me. Um, because I had no idea who this person was, mm. and then obviously um, we see him, you know, like in the end of Iron Man Two with the is an Iron Man Two the Thor's hammer is found. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know we see him there, and then obviously in the Avengers where he plays a key role. So it was nice to see his mm. character progress through yeah. all the films as well. Like, um, like obviously at the end of Iron Man, whenever we see Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury, mm. uh, Samuel Jackson. Uh, <laughs> For me, is like Jeff Bridges can kind of do no wrong, and I because he don't just because he just plays Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, his quote to do with you know like um, whenever Miss Windu was going to die in Episode Three, and what he said kind of just always makes me chuckle. Um, so I I just think those two as well for people who weren't in the film that much. Yeah, um, played an integral part in the whole Marvel universe. Yeah, um, well they just expanded and expanded as we went on again having their biggest parts in the Avengers like Stretch Armstrong like Stretch Armstrong um, <laughs> because obviously Coulson he got a slightly bigger part in Iron Man 2 not a hugely bigger part or anything like that um, but speaking the way you'd mentioned Captain America mm-hmm. remember when Tony is trying to make you know the new element for his chest piece and he's digging through the rubbish, and Coulson says, where did you get this? Yeah. And it looks like some sort of weird prototype sort of Captain America shield. Oh, yes, yes And Tony yes. uses it to prop up the, what you would call, like, the mini <laughs> hydrogen collider. Mm-hmm. And you just see Coulson's face just going, like, are you, are you seriously doing that? Because I think it was out of the box of his dad's stuff or something like yeah, that. Yeah. It's um, actually... Go ahead. Go on, Ryan, sorry. You can see it on his work table in the first Iron Man 2, the completed mm-hmm. shield. Oh, there you um, go. I don't know if like, I'm sure they they haven't never acknowledged it like in any official capacity. They probably just threw it out there for people like me who who squealed like little girls when they saw it. But um, <laughs> just, just because, because it was Marvel's movie and it was a kind of a hint of of things to come. Mm-hmm. But uh, when Ed, if for anybody who doesn't know at this point, when he's after he comes back from um, the Middle East, I'm not sure exactly what country he went to, but uh, he's get, trying to get the suit taken off and it's not working. And he's talking to Pepper right when Pepper comes in is when you can see it behind him on the table. All right, okay. Have to have to have a double take of that. I think there was a deleted scene. I don't know whether it was in one or two, where apparently you see him passed out on a bed or something, and the shield's there beside him. Apparently, that's happened as well. I don't know exactly which one it was in. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about with the first Iron Man or Iron Man Two? 
Is there anything uh, Iron Man 2, yeah, I don't really remember much about. For... Well, we've talked about Iron Man, so we've pretty much talked about Iron Man 2. Repeating our same things, you were saying, oh, Downey was great and all that sort of stuff, well, I would, but it I wasn't would, as good a story. I would like to ask Ryan a question sure. and then Mike the same thing, because obviously Ryan is a big comics fan, as we all know. Ryan, has there ever been like an Iron Man uh, comic book series that you would like to see adapted to the big screen? Good question. Um, well, they kind of ruined a couple really good Iron Man stories with Iron Man 2. Um, yeah, because obviously didn't they combine two characters? They combi- Well, they combined a couple different characters to make the bad guy, which is fine. And I know that lately on the Pop Culture Network forum, some people have been clamoring they want to see Ironmonger. Not Ironmonger, that was uh, Jeff Bridges. Yeah. They want to see Crimson Diamond. you're just in love with Jeff Bridges? I am. <laughs> Who wouldn't be? Um, uh, Crimson Dynamo. But they pretty much made Whip or Whiplash, uh, Rick Works character out of that character and a couple other characters. So you're not mm-hmm. going to see Crimson Dynamo. That'd be even more repetitive than Iron Man Two already was. <laughs> um, they threw in elements of Demon in a Bottle into Iron Man Two, and they threw in elements of the Armor Wars uh, into Iron Man Two, which are probably two of the most uh, well-known and significant Iron Man stories mm-hmm. that don't involve like the Mandarin and stuff. Which maybe we're getting. Who knows? Um, uh, recently, I guess there's a there was a story arc that I really really liked. It was called World's Most Wanted, when uh, Iron Man for a time was the the head of Shield, mm-hmm. and after the bad guys took over. And this is a little in depth for anybody who's not reading Marvel comics over the past couple of years. <laughs> but uh, Tony was basically thrown out um, by a group of bad guys and sent on the run. And he's going all over the world to shut down all his hideouts and all his equipment and basically undownload his own brain. So that the bad guys who are now running the shield and the the military of the United States government can't uh, get to him and get to all his secrets and all his technology. I would love to see Iron Man kind of a little more realistically down and out than he was in Iron Man 2. I'd like mm-hmm. to see him on the run, not fighting another guy in the suit, and... Uh, surviving more on his intelligence and less on his suit, but I also am not stupid. You need to have plenty of him flying around in his suit to appease moviegoers. But something where he's uh, a little more uh, reliant on himself and not uh, wallowing in self-pity and and, uh, shouldering more responsibility like he does in the comics. I'd like to see that happen in the movies going forward. Cool. What about Mike? You said you were going to ask Mike. Yeah, well, Mike, same question to you, or if um, you can't answer that, just is there a particular character or villain from Iron Man universe that you would like to see on the big screen then? Well, I I agree with with Ryan that they kind of touched on Demon in a Bottle a little bit in Iron Man 2, kind of when he realized that the Palladium Corps was you know, killing him, mm-hmm. um, and he has the whole scene where where he's throwing the uh, throwing his birthday party, and he's all hammered up in the in the suit and and whatnot. Um, I don't know if they'll retouch on that in an Iron Man three or or anything a- after that, since they've kind of already done that a little bit. What I would like to see is, and it probably would never happen until Marvel regains the rights to all of their characters, Spider Man included, and, and whatnot. I would love to see a Civil War movie. Ooh. You know, um, and we'll, we'll touch on this again during Avengers, but. During Avengers, you had a little bit of a power struggle between Captain America and, and Iron Man over who was going to be the leader of the group. Mm-hmm. And you could kind of 
siphon that and draw off of that a little bit in order to kind of divide the factions that would go into a Civil War movie. So I think that would be... If you think Avengers was, you know, uh, uh, a big-time movie, if they ever did... uh, uh, If they ever tried to attempt a a Civil War movie, you're probably talking about a $400 million budget. (laughs) (laughs) Well, based on how much money is getting made from Avengers, you wouldn't uh, be surprised if they just kept increasing the budgets. But anyway, we will... Go to a little break, and we will come back and talk about a certain green being who is Chris's favourite. Shrek. Shrek. No, not Shrek. He's a bit. Uh, he's... Hulk. Yes, that would be him. Kermit. Yeah, yeah, Kermit. <laughs> Kermit. Yeah. The incredible Kermit. Kermit. Yes, we will come back and talk about him after the break. See you after the break, everybody. Avengers are back. Things got crazy, but we pretty much saved all of reality. The world needs the Avengers to keep the world safe. It is! I am Thor, son of Odin and prince of this realm called Asgard. You talk too much. Time to smash! Try and stay alive. This is never good. We're still tracking down the masters of evil, but we pretty much saved the universe. Such arrogance. Destroy them all! The Kree Empire is a hundred thousand star systems strong. Earth will be crushed. That's not gonna happen. Avengers, Earth is in your hands. I'm James without Jesse, but still prepare for trouble. Make it double with Alan Price and Chris Vint on Operation Team Rocket. Oh, I mean Operation Retroshock. I'm blasting off again! I've been alone for a long time. Not because I want to be. But because until I solve this problem, I have to be. Your target is a fugitive from the U.S. government who stole military secrets. This is the location. Snatch and grab only, live capture. Take him. Well, I'm concerned that man's whole body is property of the U.S. Army. You have to get as far away from me as you can. Go! There are aspects of my personality that I can't control. Target in the overpass. When I lose control, it's very dangerous to be around me. Now. 
Tell what you got. They want it as a weapon. And if we let it go, we will never get it back. So if you're taking another crack at him, I want him. I could probably arrange something like that. You ready? Yeah. That's even the plane hill. Force experiments has gone here, why? There's only one thing that can fight that, it's in me. Welcome back from the break. Uh, obviously, we talked about Iron Man. Now we're going to talk about my favourite pick, which is The Incredible Hulk. Obviously, this film is vastly different from... Well, actually, I'll get the other people's opinion. So, Ryan, for you, how much of an improvement was this over the Eric Bana Hulk tragedy mess? Call it what you will. Um, well, I actually enjoy, for the most part, the, the Ang Lee Hulk. So... Uh, this was definite improvement in just that it was more streamlined, more action-focused, a lot less um, uh, psychological, and pretty much just what audiences wanted, a big uh, brawling Hulk. We didn't have to wait two hours to see him. We got to see him uh, throughout the movie, and uh, it built toward a... You knew who the bad guy was the entire time, whereas the Ang Lee Hulk movie... Uh, was a little ambiguous and kind of flirted around with a couple different bad guys from time to time. This one built and built and built and built until it was almost too much, and we got a pretty awesome uh, villain fight at the end. So uh, it was an improvement, definitely. Okay. Uh, Mike, what about yourself? Were you excited to go to the cinema to see this, or uh, were you kind of going in with mixed feelings after, uh, like, did you prefer the first one, or uh, what were your thoughts about it? I didn't hate the first one when I saw it, um, I actually uh, ended up through work getting uh, to go to an advanced screening of the of the Ang Lee Hulk about hey. maybe three or four days uh, before before it was released, and I really I really enjoyed it then. Um, my main problem with the Ang Lee Hulk is the visuals, how they they tried to make it look like a comic book with the different like picture in picture. They kind of tried to make it look like panels uh, in, in a book, and for me that didn't exactly work. Um, and like um, like Ryan said with with the villain, I didn't really like Nick Nolte's uh, portrayal of. I guess he was supposed to be absorbing man. They didn't really key on that too much or explain what the hell he was supposed to be. Yeah, um, it came out of nowhere, like right before the movie ended, and it was like, what? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> no, other than that, he, he's he's fighting you know giant green gamma radiated dogs. <laughs> and, and 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 stuff like that, and I didn't particularly like Eric Bana, and I actually don't mind Eric Bana as a you know a, as an actor. When he was cast right out you know right out of Black Hawk Down, I was really excited because I thought he was awesome in that movie. So I was pretty uh, I was pretty stoked to to see him play Bruce Banner, and it was just it was just a letdown. So when I heard that they were going to reboot uh, the Hulk, because I love the Hulk, the Hulk's one of my favorite Marvel characters. Um, right after Spider-Man, and I, I really like Edward Norton. So, and the fact that I know what a big fan Edward Norton is, 
and the fact that he was going to have um, that he was going to contribute to the to the uh, to the writing of the movie and stuff like that. You know, I was pretty excited for the way that it was going to come out, and the fact that Tim Roth was going to play the villain, that he was going to play Emil Blonsky. Just, <laughs> I love Tim Roth. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think the the first thing I saw him in was Rob Roy, and I was hooked after that. And the fact that you know he was in Reservoir Dogs really cemented you know cemented him in in as one of my favorite actors. So I was really happy to see that he was going to be in this. And I thought that he you know he did a, a, a an absolutely great job because he plays Despicable so well. And <laughs> So it, this, I, I was very excited for this movie, and as 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 much as I liked uh, Mark Ruffalo, I I, I kind of had wished that Edward Norton had reprised the role. Um, so I, I was disappointed that in, until I saw the film, okay. until I saw the Avengers film. But um, okay. going into it, yeah, I was kind of on, on a down note that Edward Norton didn't reprise the role because I thought he did so well in this movie. And this movie was really – he really channeled his inner Bill Bixby in, in this movie, I thought. It, he really had you know, the whole dealing with being a monster and, and not you know, wanting to get rid of it and kind of the whole loner on the run, constantly on the move. Um, I, I think it was really, really well done, and this is one of my favorite Marvel movies. Uh, Alan, what about yourself? Were you a fan of the first Hulk? I think I was the same as the guys. I wasn't, I wasn't blown away by it, but at the same time, I didn't hate it. Um, I do like Banner as an actor. I actually really liked. Um, but do you like Banner's Banner? I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> um, I liked Banna in the Star Trek reboot. So I did. Um, I thought he did a good job in it. Um, I think he is a good actor. But, the f- yes, live long and prosper, Chris. Yes, thank you. Um, oh, I followed up by the fingers. Cheers, thank you. Um, but the first movie, it just didn't blow me away. This one, though, I thought the idea of it's not very much an origin story it's kind of that's kind of kept to the sort of what you would call opening credits mm-hmm. so to say you see all the wee flashes of it going on um and i think it was good that they didn't go straight on off the bat and go boom here he is yeah you know it was kind of build up build up and i really think the sort of in at the start of the movie the cool scene is when they're at the bottling plant and his drop of blood yeah, goes down and he just completely is like whoa stop everything that's cool I really do think Norton did do a brilliant job and again as we've said Mark Ruffalo but I'll discuss Mark Ruffalo when we actually get to Avengers but no it is a good movie and again Roth was fantastic I absolutely thought he was great in this one um, he just was he could see he was pure evil he just wanted the power of the monster he just wanted more and more power. There's the scene where you see um, when he's still himself and he's just had a bit of the work done to him. Mm-hmm. He's You can almost say he was cocky. He thought he was more powerful than he was. And he's like saying to Hulk, you know, come on, come on. And then just Hulk boots him, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, he liked that. Um, I love that. 
and then there's obviously you see him in the hospital bed and he's just lying there and you're like man he's pretty much dead and then pretty much next day hello we're back and running yeah uh, obviously like with Iron Man you know like with all films we have our supporting cast so uh, I'm going to name them here we, you know, we've already touched on Tim Roth so we don't need to go on <laughs> there but we had Liv Tyler who played Betty Ross and William Hurt who played her dad or the general who obviously we see Tony Stark talk to yep. later on um, oh, um, I can't remember which guy is it that is who is it that plays uh, I think it's you know the way Banner's talking and it's like Mr. Green's going to meet Mr. Blue who's the actor that plays T- the guy Tim Blake Nelson. Okay, well, him. Yeah. He tries. He tries to help him. Ryan, who out of those three had the best, like, um, had the best performance um, for you? Uh, well, I, I guess I'd have to go with uh, Tim Blake Nelson out of those that you just mentioned. I'm, I'm a big fan of him as an actor, and I really liked his take on Samuel Stearns. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but I, uh, at the same time, I kind of want to go with William Hurt, even though it wasn't a good performance. I kind of love the fact that he just took it as an opportunity to completely ham it up and overact <laughs> and be overly dramatic all on purpose. I, I thought it was a, a great performance, and I was a little upset that <clears throat> he wasn't included in some of the later movies. I thought certainly there's room for uh, General Ross in uh, Avengers, at least in a cameo or something. You, you mm. get... Uh, Dr. Selvig in there. You should be able to get General Ross in there. Yeah. But um, uh, Tim Blake Nelson, uh, hopefully as a character, we'll see come back since uh, you see him start to transform into the leader a little bit at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we haven't seen the last of him. But uh, I, I guess a toss-up then between William Hart and Tim Blake Nelson for me personally. Mike, what about your thoughts on Liv Tyler in Incredible Hulk? Mm. <laughs> I'm not exactly a big fan of Liv Tyler. Um, I, I guess she was better than Jennifer Connelly. I, <laughs> I, I don't know if there's too much to, to, to go on because neither one of them did much of anything in these movies. It doesn't matter um. who plays Billy Ross, honestly. <laughs> I don't have anything. I don't have a problem with Tyler or with uh, Jennifer Connelly. As long as you could say Bruce in a kind of soft tone, you've kind of gotten nailed. Really. Yeah, it does. It's just like yeah, a lot of unfortunately a lot of uh, female characters in these Marvel movies, it doesn't really matter who's playing them. The the love interest kind of thing. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, I but I, I, I agree with uh, I agree with Ryan that both of the other uh, gentlemen did did they were very enjoyable performances that, that they turned in. Um I really liked William Hurt's um General Ross. He played he he, he did such a good job playing the douchebag father. Uh, you know, with with basically that he, he wouldn't he wouldn't have had too much of a problem with turning Betty in as well, you know, in, in that part where he's talking to her uh, to her boyfriend on the uh, on the porch, and uh, the boyfriend finally goes, "Well, I used to wonder why she didn't talk about you. Now I now I know why." So, yeah. So and he's like, "Where does she find them?" <laughs> so I, I think he for for what Thunderbolt Ross is, because um, he's all about himself and and all about uh, you know. Getting the monster so that he can weaponize it, um, which later down the road, anybody that you know that was re- reading the comics and knows what happens to, to Thunderbolt Ross, probably uh, you know, be careful what you wish for, you know, a little bit there. Dun, dun, um, dun. 
<laughs> See, now but, uh, you got me thinking they're going to do that in the Marvel movies, and I really don't want them to do that. I have no idea what the Thunderbolt rules. I, I just imagine Thor just going and putting some thunder on him. That's all I'm thinking. <laughs> See, I'm a, new, I'm a rookie whenever it comes to comics. See, Ryan has it licked, and Mike has it licked. And you, you're probably looking up Wikipedia to see. I'm what not, it I'm is. not typing on. <laughs> <laughs> I can't have about twenty windows open in the meantime, anyway, so I can't do anything. Well, Mike's already closed his windows. She should close yours. Ha. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, well, with you then, um, Alan. Um, yes, name. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, what would you think of uh, people's? Was there a particular standout performance for me? Yeah, Liv Tyler. No. Um, but again, I think it is a case of in that sort of character, you don't really need any anybody, you know, amazing as long as they can kind of semi look pretty. They're all right, you know, so they can flutter their eyelashes and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Alan Price is not being sexed at all, folks. So uh, any, <laughs> no, but it's true in this sort of thing. It's kind of the not to go flipping really old school, but kind of sort of King Kongish is sort of you know she's meant to be the pretty looking girl that calms the monster sort of thing. Um, so you don't have to have amazing acting chops for that one. Um, <laughs> not being sexist at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you're alone in that pal. But no, I did enjoy Ross. Um, if I did have to pick somebody in the supporting cast, it would be Ross. But uh, Ross, uh, the character of the general, was brilliant. And just where she's like, you know, you're not my father. And he explains, yeah, well, if I wasn't your father, you would be... You know, you would be going to jail like him or something like that. You know, you'd be in handcuffs like him, sort of thing. Um, I thought that was good, but it is—he does overplay it. But it's kind of, you kind of were like, well, it's a, you know, it's a comic movie. You can kind of let it away with it slightly. Yeah. Uh, obviously, in as we've talked about in Iron Man, you know, you, um, there's certain mentions to other characters and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. There's a deleted scene in this uh, where for. Um, Banner is up in he's like in the Antarctic or somewhere and he turns into the Hulk and the Hulk lets out a big roar causes avalanche and apparently in one of the little corners you could see Captain America in, uh, in you know frozen in ice um, but for me you know like with me being a fan of the original 1978 Incredible Hulk with Bill Bixby there was a couple of obviously Lou Ferengo was, was in the first I love that I love that scene um <laughs> There's that there. There's the scene where for banners walking up this big hill, and they're playing what sounds like the Lonely Man theme from the Incredible Hulk um, TV show, and obviously at the end, wherever um, the Hulk is fighting, and your man's going, you know, bring it on, and he, the Hulk kicks him. There's a wee kid video in it on his phone, mm-hmm. and they call him McGee, uh, a journalist who was obviously from the Incredible Hulk mm-hmm. TV show. So, before uh, before we move on, you know, like we've mentioned certain th- um, mentions of other characters or other other TV shows and stuff <clears throat> to kind of go away from the Credible Hulk a bit. Ryan, what would be your favourite mention of either another? You know, like obviously at the end here, I'll actually go with this. Obviously at the end here, we see Tony Stark talk to Ross about the Avengers putting a team uh, together I- initiative. How excited were you whenever this was mentioned in this film? Well, I was very excited because um, obviously I was uh, all over the internet as much as I possibly could after <laughs> the whole um, 
uh, Avengers Initiative reveal with with Fury at the end of Iron Man, mm-hmm. and it was very much a, a measure on Marvel's part to throw it out there and kind of see what happens. And this was some uh, validation because they filmed it right before release, apparently. And like th- this was all right. This is going to happen. It might take a few years, but this we this is where we're headed. So th- it was huge, like just awesome that 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 happened at the end of uh, Incredible Hulk. And they didn't even make your way through the credits, if I remember correctly. They threw it on right before the credits. Yes. So um, that was that was fantastic to see. And uh, they do get Bill Bixby in, just going back a little bit, they do get Bill Bixby into this movie, too, when uh, Ed Norton is flipping channels in uh, uh, Brazil or wherever he is. Where is... Yeah. Yeah, he's, well, where he's Brazil, yeah. out at the beginning. He's flipping channels, and there's uh, an image of Bill Bixby from... Uh, um, uh, I think it's The Courtship of Eddie's Father. It's one of the other sh- TV shows that he was a part of. So they even managed to get Bill Bixby in, even though he passed <laughs> away almost uh, 20 years ago. Did not know that. that that scene kind of freaked me out hearing what was it there was uh, just all the different kids shows as well in like foreign languages that was crazy <laughs> <laughs> I just find it weird hearing TV shows in different languages than English <laughs> Mike what about you with the uh, Avengers announcement at the end of Iron Man and obviously the pr- this is probably the only one that didn't have anything after the credits so it was actually before it so uh, what were your thoughts on this I was really excited. I we haven't ever gotten a big at least in the theater, we haven't gotten this team up movie. And it was kind of one of those things that you never really thought was going to happen because you kind of figure you know the the budget would be too big in order to, you know, with all the CGI that would be involved and all the high paid actors that would be involved and the fact that Marvel Studios had the balls to actually go out and do this. I, I thought was really, really amazing. So when we started, you know, not a whole lot of people at the very beginning, unless you were all over the internet, knew about the after credit sequence, uh, uh, the credit, uh, sequence uh, in Iron Man. And it wasn't really until uh, until Incredible Hulk that people started waiting until after the credits, you know, at least staying after the credit. Now, for whatever reason, every you know there are still people that leave before the before the credits are over. I I still don't understand that. It blows my mind. Slap. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it was really nice that they would give us you know that that bit of um, that yeah like that, that throwing us a bone to kind of say hey you know because usually these studios are, are are so secretive about what they're doing and what's coming out and and all that kind of stuff. The fact that they would actually film a scene. Um, and 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 put it into and put it into the film, kind of like a, as a, uh, it's it's almost like ge- you know, generating sales in the future. You, you get that little bit of a taste, and you know that you know, they they kind of have you reeled in for the next film. So yeah. I really enjoyed it. Alan, what about you? Well, I was just being at this stage. I kind of semi felt had a man crush on Iron Man. Because uh, I just I just love the you know Danny Junior portrayal of him, um, so I was kind of just happy to have another Satan with Tony Stark in it. But a wee bit like Mike, I was kind of at this point of my knowledge of you know the extended you know universe and comics of Marvel was you know slowly growing, and I was like, all right, so there's going to be a whole bunch of them going to actually be in another movie. I'll believe it when I see it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really thinking, you know, budget or anything like that. I was just like, will they want to take the risk of 
putting all these characters together and one potentially getting ignored or you know not coming off well or anything like that. But no, yeah, it is exciting. I love the little treats afterwards because even I was as mad as uh, anything when we did see Avengers and no one kind of jumped on me. But but I stayed even after the teaser in Avengers to see yeah. there was any teaser teaser. Um, but no, it is. It's nice to have that sort of wee treat at the end. Okay. Um, obviously, a big part of the Hulk movies is the transformation from Banner into the Hulk. Um, obviously, we touched on briefly with the Ang Lee Hulk, um, the way um, it kind of looked more bubbly than anything. Um, Mike, for you, was the transformation done right here? And um, how impressed were you between this Hulk? And then the Hulk, we'll touch on just briefly the Hulk and the Avengers, um, the way the transformation sequence was in that. I think it was definitely handled much better here. Um, like you said, in, in, in the first Hulk movie, it kind of looked like somebody like dumped acid on, on Banner and he was starting to <laughs> boil over a little bit. Um, this, I think, was done a, a lot better, um, especially like like just the muscles themselves you could see like the fibers of the muscles just as they would expand um there's there's a point when you actually see the uh, you know the hulk's foot kind of explode the shoe and the the, the the clothes just start you know ripping off I, I think it was done much better a lot more believable um and and just the transformation scene was seen better um, it you got the first uh, the first transformation in the uh, in the original Hulk movie. He's like in that uh, that's in the water, right? And you can't really you can't really see it until he's become the full monster. And I guess maybe that was a bit of limitation in CGI, but the way that you the way you get it in in, in this film, I think, is much much better. Especially the, the part where just the eyes go green at first that gets me every time. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it was definitely handled much better in this incarnation of, of the Hulk than it was in the previous. Okay. Uh, Ryan, what about yourself? Uh, yeah, it was definitely an improvement over the Ang Lee Hulk, but uh, almost any movie is going to be an improvement after six years and, and now ten years uh, in the new in like the Avengers transformations. Um, I like that... Um, we saw a couple different transformations and like a varying, like the one in the uh, bottling plant at the beginning. We didn't really get to see it, but it was it was very very quick. And then in the when he's on campus, he's trying to not Hulk out, so it's a little slower, and you get to see a lot more details. And then there's a really slow, detailed one when he's on the the table trying to uh, Hulk out, so just so they can suppress it. And then the the last one, which is kind of my favorite, even though you don't see any transformation mm -hmm, at all, when yeah. he, he drops into the street, um, yeah. which uh, you're not familiar with. I think you're not familiar with where that comes from since you've caught up on your Ultimate Comics. Um, have you read that part yet or no? Uh, is that in the second part? Or That's the in the second part? volume, yeah. Uh, I haven't finished that all yet. Oh, well, I just ruined it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done, Alan. Sorry, Ryan. I came out like Sorry 10 years ago, out, so but... your spoiler warning is perfect. <laughs> That's <laughs> Uh, That's okay. um, but uh, yeah, several different transformations of varying like details and stuff. I thought was was cool that we got to see so many different uh, changes. Okay, Alan. 
Um, kind of what Ryan said in the sense of uh, over time the transformations are going to get better, you know, graphically and stuff like that. Um, but again, like sort of the bottle implant scene in this, it is kind of cool that you just don't, they don't go with it immediately and go, here's the full blown transformation, you know, here you go guys. Because obviously, you know, <coughs> he transforms quite a number of times. He hulks out a good number of times throughout the movie. So he kind of, by having them in different ways, it doesn't get... You don't go, all right, here he goes again. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're going to see the Hulk, you're going to want to see him Hulk out, and you yeah. probably wouldn't get bored. But to take your time and think out, right, first one will hide it. The campus one will slow it down. Yeah. Because I think just the whole the heart monitor, you know, with the beats mm-hmm. monitor on his, you know, I don't know what I they're called, kind of watch that, sort of type thing. He even does that whenever he's on the bed with Betty and they're, mm-hmm. they're you know, like they're kissing each other and then his heart, go, his heart starts going and goes like, no, I can't, I can't get too excited because, you know, that may happen and, you know... Uh, I she just might thought, get hurt. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I thought that was a good thing, um, a good thing for them to, to put in as well. Um, yeah, but, the eyes is awesome. Actually. Yeah, but the last thing is obviously, you know, it, it, you know, like each each person has their villain, whether it be Spider-Man and Green Goblin or whether it be, you know, be a case of Incredible Hulk and Abomination. Um, Ryan, what were your thoughts on the final um, face-off between Abomination and the Incredible Hulk? Well, I, I kind of touched on it earlier, and I I loved it. I think it's great. I think the Hulk's greatest enemy will always be the U.S. Army, but it was great <laughs> to see um, him go up against somebody who could go blow for blow with him, and and then you know punch back and and things and take his punches um and it built so well that was my one of my my well my only real big complaint with iron man was it was so good and they're doing so many great things and then you know there's 20 minutes left and like oh god we we have we got a villain we gotta we gotta fight and they just throw this very generic fight out there and 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 the movie and this was it came out a few months later but it was the exact opposite it just built and built and built and blonsky got stronger and stronger and eventually became the abomination and i really like how they worked his name into the the dialogue in the movie between him and Stearns. Um, and then the whole fight itself was, I thought, great. And then we got to hear Hulk say Hulk smash, which is probably the best part of the whole movie. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely was a big fan of the uh, the fight at the end of the movie. Alan? No, I agree, especially for 2000 and was it seven? Was it eight. Seven? Eight, sorry, yes, eight. I knew it was right now. Uh, for then, this was awesome because obviously we're last couple of years have got crazy when it comes to CGI God forbid I mentioned the last Transformers movie and stuff like that for CGI par um, but to see these two characters squaring off in the street was awesome and for me I do just love the bit towards the end just where he has the chain and is just choking Abomination ignoring the stop um, but that is pretty awesome in my opinion uh, Mike? Yeah, I, I really loved it. And the the thing that I liked most about the Abomination was the fact that he kept the Blonsky personality, <laughs> kind of you know where you know give me a real fight and you know the is that all you know is that all you got kind of really egging on the Hulk to to because he's he's got these new powers and he's all cocky and really kind of wants to see what he can do. I think he's almost putting himself to a test as well. So I I really like the fact that he kept a bit of personality that he wasn't just uh, just a monster, um, 
it's definitely nice to see because there's not too many villains that can go toe to toe with the Hulk. That's why a lot of times the the, the Hulk fights against other heroes. <laughs> you know, the Thing and, and Wolverine, and you know, kind of one you know heroes that that either have a healing factor or so, something that allows them to be able to stand toe to toe with the Hulk. For um for them to do the abomination, I think it was really a, a good choice here. And I uh, like uh, like Ryan said, I really like the fact that they teased the leader as well for for the next movie when they uh, when they do uh, Hulk three or whether it's you know Avengers two or you know, whenever that we see the next Hulk villain. That I'm I'm looking forward to that as well. I think they did really good with the villain choice uh, the villain choice here. Alright, well that does it for Incredible Hulk. We're going to move on to our guest pick. Um, our first one up is going to be Mike. So Mike, would you like to introduce after the break for, obviously we're going to go to break, so would you like to introduce what film you chose for us to talk about? Next film we're going to talk about is Captain America, the first Avenger. Okay, so join us after the break whenever we talk about the shield-slinging Captain America. Join us after the break. You're listening to a podcast on PopCultureNetwork.com. Be sure to head on over to the site at www.PopCultureNetwork.com to check out more podcasts and videos featuring toys, comic books, video games, and all the things you love. And while you're there, be sure to check out the Pop Culture Network store, where everything you purchase helps to keep us producing. Just head over to popculturenetwork.com and click on store. What's up, folks? You are listening to Operation Retroshock with crazy cool Chris Vent and awfully awesome Alan Price. If one of your favorite retro memories happens to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, then by all means, check out Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk on popculturenetwork.com. Every week we get reacquainted with old friends from the original Playmates TMNT toy line. Fab Four fans, new and old, won't be sorry for checking it out. That's Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk, and you can only find it on PopCultureNetwork.com. Operation Retroshock listeners, it's Claire Redfield. Sam of the Stars teamed to Raccoon City. Umbrella is trying to eliminate us all. Hurry! I know this neighborhood. I got beat up in that alley. You just don't know when to give up. I could do this all day. Do you have something against running away? If you start running, they'll never let you stop. Are really going to do this now? There are men laying down their lives. I got no right to do any less than them. I can offer you a chance. Our goal is to create a new breed of super soldier. When you brought a 90-pound asthmatic onto my army base, I let it slide. I am looking for qualities beyond the physical. You win wars with guts. Grenade! Everybody down! Is this a test? He's still skinny. Whatever happens, stay who you are. Not just a soldier, but a good man. Is it too late to go to the bathroom? <laughs> you actually did it. Who the hell 
The first of many. Hydra is the Nazi deep science division, led by Johann Schmidt. He thinks he's a god, and he's willing to blow up half the world to prove it. You're not even close to this technology. I asked for an army, and all I got was you. Congratulations. You just got promoted. Mr. Stark? I had some ideas about the uniform. You're gonna get so many girls. We are much alike. I don't know if I can do this. You won't be alone. What made you so special? Nothing. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. Nobody's perfect. And welcome back from the break, everybody. Uh, it is time to speak about Captain America. We do realize, everybody, you're probably screaming at your iPod or generic MP3 device um, that we aren't doing it in chronological order now. Yes, that is Chris's bad. He admits that. But it all links in anyway. <laughs> what point did I admit this? Sorry. Here's a boss. Just how you, how you feeling under the bus this. there, Chris? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay, it all links in anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> Such an evil look. Anyway, we shall get started. Captain America. This is Mike's pick. So, Mike, what were your thoughts in the run-up to this coming out? How excited were you? I was super excited. Uh, I, I I love Captain America, Um and I was so glad that they did it as a period piece. That w- that was one of the things I was kind of wondering how they were going to do it. When, like we said, that when when we kind of all figured out that they were going to do an Avengers film, um, it was a matter of how were they going to handle Captain America because he, he is he's different th- than everyone else. The fact that he was a World War Two era character. Um, and, and then he was frozen in ice, and then he lost so many years up until when uh, when he was rediscovered. I'm glad that they handled it that way. I'm glad they handled it as basically the whole entire movie up to the last five minutes or so w- was set in World War II. So mm-hmm. I, was re- I was really happy and, and excited about that. Um, the second thing I was worried about was the suit. In, Spider-Man was a pretty faithful, um, for the most part, representation of the suit, and and we had Iron Man was good, but that was all metal pieces. As far as like a spandexy suit, this is really the first time, like I said, other than other than Spider-Man, that we had to deal with that. You didn't really get it in the X-Men films. Um, they went with the generic black uh, leather. You a little bit with with, uh, with Daredevil. But it was more of a molded foam, um, so I, I wasn't sure how they were going to do Captain America, and the fact that they kind of did it, you know, as this, this is almost uh, ultimate uh, Captain America, mm-hmm. as far as the as far as the uniform is, and I thought that it was handled really, really well. It wasn't it wasn't cheesy. Um, 
I do like the fact that they they paid a little homage to the normal Captain America suit when he was kind of during the uh, doing the USO tour, mm-hmm. that part where he was going around selling the bonds and everything like that, and, and you got the cheesy costume there, and it was supposed to be cheesy. So yeah. I, I, I thought that was a, a cool way to to handle that because I'm sure that there were plenty of Captain America fans that when they actually saw like the 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 motorcycle the motorcycle bike uh, jacket type of uh, type of costume they were probably like oh that's not Captain America <laughs> that's not the way he's supposed to look so you kind of got a little bit of um, you were able to to please both sides of of the coin or, or you know if you will. With having the the classic cap costume and then having this this modern uh, this modern style Captain America costume, so I was really pleased with that. Um, again, with with the villain with with the red skull, how how do you how do you do that? Um, the, I think the prosthetics, the 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 way that they the way that they had um, the way that they originally had uh, Hugo weaving. Uh, Doing the the Johann Schmidt character, where he had the uh, like the makeup uh, human mask face, uh, I thought that was that was really good. And then he just peels the he just peels the mask off, and you have the red skull underneath, and it looked like a red skull. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it was really really faithful, really done well, um, even down to the accent. I, I you know it it wasn't cheesy or really that over the top. Yeah, I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was handled really, really well. So this movie was one that I was kind of nervous about because there were a lot of things that could that that could be done not well. There there were a lot of things where you could really fumble the ball, and it wouldn't live up to the quality of the two previous films that 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 we just talked about. But I, I think that it was done. I think it was done really, really well. I think it was handled the right way. Um, the, the CGI, even when Steve Rogers is, you know, the the, the scrawny kid, um, I, I didn't think it was all that bad. I, and I think that it, it was done pretty well. Uh, as he as he was scrawny, leading all the way up to the point where he where he gets the uh, the super soldier serum. So all in all, aesthetically. Um, I, I think it, it, it looked right. Um, I think it felt right. Um, it, it was done really, really well, and I was really pleased with it. Cool. Uh, Ryan? Um, well, definitely was excited going into Captain America because this was, I mean, this was the last stop, not on our conversation, but the last stop in the movies uh, heading into Avengers. And of the characters featured in Avengers, Captain America is my favorite. So I was super excited for for this movie to come out and still believe that this is the best uh, interpretation of a comic book character ever put on film. I think they absolutely nailed Steve Rogers from the scrawny little kid to the the superhero he becomes and even more so on when I and when I watch Avengers now I just look at him like it's Steve Rogers. They like they just absolutely completely and thoroughly nailed it. Um, I know uh, Chris made a joke at the very beginning of the episode about not knowing who Haley Atwell was, who played Peggy Carter. Uh, I didn't know who Haley Atwell was either, but I damn sure do now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, the in, almost the entire supporting cast, right down to uh, uh, Howard Stark, um, is just phenomenal. I think this is where everything comes together, and deservedly so. This kind of should be the uh, 
the real linchpin for how the Avengers is able to work with uh, you got guys like like Howard Stark running around and um, the way uh, Nick Fury uh, greets him at the uh, at the end of the movie after he's uh, woken up in uh, the modern day. Um, I the only the only problem that I have at least with this movie is the ending with uh, the plane going down and he's a super soldier but he can't land it or steer it or <laughs> jump out or. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the transition from uh, saving the day to being frozen in ice uh, does not work at all in this movie, but uh, I forgive it because the rest of the movie, in my opinion, is so is so phenomenal. Cool. And now <laughs> I pass over to Chris, who may have slightly different opinions. Yeah, you're going to probably notice a different trend here with. Um, these two fa- fans being in America and all I not being in America Captain America for me is one of my least favourite Marvel films for only the reason that I, A I did not know who Captain America was yes I'm that much of a uh, Ryan's probably tearing out his hair right now um, I, I'd be more I'd be more worried about Rob Bass <laughs> well that's okay he doesn't have much hair to tear right anyway so I'll not take him that long <gasps> sorry Rob um, oh. um, but I didn't know who Captain America was um, I I didn't really want to watch the film because as a case of you know I, I really enjoyed Iron Man I really enjoyed Incredible Hulk you know and Thor was kind of a mixed bag for me but I'll talk about that later on but for me you know like um i think the way they went around the story you know that you know as mike said you know the scrawny kid and i thought that was really well done for me the only character there that i i knew of was tommy lee jones um i thought Mm -hmm. he did had a very very good job but tommy lee jones is always like that and everything tommy lee jones is kind of again a wee bit like samuel L. jackson he is just tommy lee jones now exactly (laughs) you know like if you watch him and you know like the only film that i can think of that he kind of has a different persona and carries on a bit i know where you're going is batman forever yeah um but yeah i for me it's whenever I took my dad to see Avengers um, I said to him you know because he's seen Iron Man and that's been about it and I said you know like listen what film would you like to see what character and he said Captain America and I'm like thinking to myself oh, but dad no you want to see you want to see the Incredible Hulk instead of so I bought him uh, Captain America and the son of a gun has not watched it yet so, oh dear yeah. Um, but you know like I can understand that people you know in America you know like really really dig the Captain America storyline for me for me I didn't know much about it and to be honest with you he would be on the bottom of the pole if I was to pick up comic books unless it was like to do with Avengers and stuff and he's in it I can Mm -hmm. deal with that but I wouldn't pick up a comic book that's Captain America you know issue number 5741 or whatever they're on now. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that in the Cobbett's Corner last week, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> For me, um, I'm, I am more along Chris's line in the sense of being not from America, it doesn't hit as close to home as it would. I don't hate it, um, but it is my least enjoyed, if you kind of get that route. I don't hate it, but it's not the one I enjoy the most. Um, it's the film you would put on last out of if, all. If you put all the movies in front of me, yes. Yeah. Um, 
but not that doesn't take away from this movie at all. The storyline is good. I do like Hugo Weaving. I actually really, really like uh, Stanley Tucci as Erskine. I think he's I think he's great. Even though he has such a small part in this, I really do enjoy it. We'll kind of segue eventually from this into going into the sporting actors again. Um, I thought he was good. I always I find kind of the thing for us because we're over here on the little island. Um, <laughs> But that a lot of this was actually filmed in Manchester, so Captain America's filmed in the UK. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. Tread carefully, Alan. Tread carefully. <laughs> but no, um, I do. It's it is a good enough film. But um, I mainly went to see it because I was just like, I can't go because kind of at this stage we were kind of getting to the point of right, Avengers is going to happen here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were quite a bit further on than with Hulk and the original Iron Man so I was like right I'm going to see Avengers I need to see everything so that's that's what made me go and see uh, Captain America um, and again obviously we have our after credits scene and such as well so yeah that's, that's my opinion um, but yeah like I was saying about uh, supporting actors um, Ryan seemed to be quite interested in uh, Miss Atwell, who played Peggy. So I'll let Hello, Ryan Peggy. start talking about the supporting actors slash actresses. Um, well, I don't, I don't think I think we can dismiss Hugo Weaving. He's not a supporting actor. He's, I mean, he's kind of up there. Yeah, he's the bad guy. So obviously, Hugo Weaving's awesome. As far as uh, guys like us, fanboys, genre fans, uh, Hugo Weaving, Lord of the Rings, Matrix, V for Vendetta. Uh, Megatron, even uh, the dudes, <laughs> yeah, well, well respected in the in the geek and nerd community, and obviously. Villain society. <laughs> yes, um, I really like Dominic Cooper as Howard Stark. I thought he really, uh, I just, well, basically he played uh, kind of a version of Tony, didn't he? Yeah, it, there was just it, a wee hint. It worked, and then the whole the whole fondue uh, uh, miscommunication <laughs> with uh, Captain or with Steve, I thought was hilarious. Um, I really liked uh, Toby Jones as uh, Arnim Zola, who uh, it'll be interesting. I don't know now that they've pulled Cap out of World War Two. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that Captain America Two will take place in modern day, and they yeah. will like do a flashback movie. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they come up with for Cap villains now. Um, so they introduced a lot of guys that we might not see again. Um, they had the uh, the Howling Commando show up, which for those anyone who doesn't know, uh, Chris. Uh, is, <laughs> I, I, I even know who these guys are. <laughs> uh, we got to see like Dum Dum Dugan and stuff. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. Um, and I think I think this one for me and it's it all comes back to uh, Stanley Tucci. Uh, very small but very important role. Uh, the Tucci, as uh, we like to call him, uh, was was essentially you know the heart and soul of of I don't want to say of the movie, but um, really uh, validating Steve's. Uh, position and feelings on the war and yeah. his role in, or and his soon to be increased role in it uh, very very important part and you had to go get a, a, a good actor to play it even though it was going to be short um, mm-hmm. it was important to have uh, a great actor play it so I, th- I think this movie is filled with great supporting just as they have been since Iron Man mm-hmm. now I'll just jump in again because of Tucci because I do just love his performance in this um, I think Pretty much every scene he's in, it just stands out because there's obviously there's a scene again just before the grenades thrown and stuff like that, the bogus grenade. He doesn't 
even really have to say anything, sort of when uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character first sees Rogers in the lineup, he looks over to Tucci and you know, to, to, you know, he just gives kind of a nonchalant look about it. Um, but I do love not only the drink scene when he's the night before the uh, you know experiment, so to say, but the uh, so you want to you you want to kill some Nazis, yes? You know, he's testing Rogers. I think that's fantastic. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, a lot of little things like the so you want to kill Nazis, and he asks him where he's from because he picks up on the accent right away, and he tells him like, I can't remember exactly what the the answer is, but it's like an American city, and he just looks at him <laughs> and he's like, but originally Germany. <laughs> and then the uh, the the drinking. Oh wait, you have surgery, and he drinks Steve's share, and then the next morning he's like, Did you save me some? <laughs> not not as much as I should have. Little little <laughs> things like that really helped uh, create a full flesh character out of not very many scenes and not very many lines and uh, the Tooch, that's part of why he's the Tooch is awesome <laughs> Mike? It, I, I can't add too much to, to what you guys have said already about the supporting guest, uh, Stanley Tucci w- was awesome, Tommy Lee Jones was Tommy Lee Jones um, I, I really enjoyed Neil McDonough's Dum Dum Dugan even though you didn't get to see a lot of them um, the, the, the little bit of scenes later, especially uh you know the the one where they're at the bar uh, before they're going back in, mm-hmm. into uh, into Germany, and he's like, you know, I, I'm I'm always up for a fight. I just asked for one thing. And he said, you know, open up a tab. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you know, for the limited role that that he had, I, I think was really good. Um, Dominic Cooper's Howard Stark was was very good. The one the one role supporting role that I didn't particularly care for was Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes. Yeah, I was about to go there. I was, what do you think of that? <laughs> That's it just it, it i guess it was just written for for the movie so that the he kind of could accentuate the uh the way that Steve Rogers was before he got the the, the super soldier serum um where he kind of had to have other people stand up for him um where that's not really bucky's role that's not what you know yeah. first of all bucky's a boy um and he's the sidekick character it was like a reversal of roles kind of um and then they killed him off so you know there's you'll, you'll never get uh You'll you'll never get Bucky putting on 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 the the, the cap uh, the cap mantle if they ever decide to do something down the road they close that story off. Um, he signed like a six or seven picture deal. He'll be he'll be back. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I honestly didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so he's going to survive like in a million foot drop out of a tree. Well, do you guys good enough for Captain America? It's good he, enough for him. Yeah, I was going to say you guys aren't comic people, obviously. Um, yeah, but, <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> Bucky doesn't stay dead. Uh, nobody, nobody in comics stays dead. Um, so yeah. we will, we will be seeing if, Sebastian if, Stan if I, as Bucky if I in one hear form correctly, or another. Unless, unless you see the corpse, then you don't think he's dead. Because then, if memory serves, somebody, aka Ryan Porter, said about Agent Coulson that that may not be the last time we see him. True, and some sure. of that is foolish optimism because I love Coulson so much. <laughs> well, um, that's true. So but, I just, uh, I just yeah, we didn't an... get our little Looney Tunes puff of smoke when he hit the bottom of the canyon. So <laughs> we, I did for see all we know, he opened the parachute. Said, oh no, I forgot my parachute. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he'll be back. Well, we shall see. Uh, <laughs> but uh, obviously, we'll kind of progress it on uh, a wee bit further. Um, Obviously, we have more. You know, we've mentioned, 
you know, Hugo and all that sort of stuff. And as Chris gives me the funky eyes trying to be a bad guy. Um, <clears throat> what did we think of the likes of the Hydra getup? You know, their their uniforms, their lair, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Ryan, I really liked it just because it was so comic booky. It was pretty much the Hydra in the comics put on screen, and I really enjoyed it. I, at first, was a little... I didn't know what to make of the fact that they were going to be fighting Hydra instead of Nazis, but at the same time, I, I got why maybe they they wanted to shy away from the Nazi element of it, but they kind of explained it in the movie that that they were Nazis and that, obviously, they're fighting World War II against Nazis, but right now, we have the super soldiers, so we need to go against their... Uh, metahuman, superhero-esque, supervillain threat. It makes sense for the regular army to fight Germany's regular army and for their uh, superheroes to fight their supervillains. Um, so that that all settled very well for me in the in the comic. And then the fact that they used the Tesseract, which I hate calling it that because it's the Cosmic Cube, but whatever. <laughs> the, te- the Tesseract uh, to build advanced weapons and advanced technology like you see in a comic book. All, all worked very well for me. I was a big fan of the way Hydra was portrayed in the movie. Cool. Mike? Um, the exact same way. Um, I, I like the fact that you got a little bit more comic book universe in, in this movie as opposed to real world um, universe. They, they could have done a whole World War II Hitler Nazi thing. Um, I think that it was better that it was done kind of in the background. Um, kind of... Um, not not really the main focus. You knew that it was there all along, but it wasn't really where they were focusing the attention of the movie. Um, I do like the fact that they used Hydra as the as the main uh, in, you know uh, antagonist o- along along with um, along with the Red Skull. I think it was done better. Um, I think that they looked good. Um, like I said, a, l- a lot more comic book accurate than you than we are used to seeing. Um, a lot, a lot of times they want to do their own thing, and this was was pretty straightforward and 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 pretty right on. So I think that it was a good choice to to do that and focus on Hydra as opposed to focusing on you know actual Nazi Germany. Right. Um, I will ask this question because it has to be asked, and Mike will get the honor of uh, answering it first. <laughs> um, Chris Evans, Captain America, or Johnny Storm? Oh, Captain America. <laughs> I, I think why? he played. Mu- he was much better a- 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 as Captain America. Um, I was a little worried when they cast him because of the way Johnny Storm is. Um, he's a you know wisecracker. It's more of a comedic role, and Cap kind of has to be the man. And yeah. I was kind of worried whether or not Chris Evans could do that. And I think that he really did a good job. So, um, and and that also means that they have to recast the Fantastic Four when they decide to do that. So that's like you know a bonus on both ends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Ryan? Uh, definitely Captain America. As as I mentioned before, I think it's the best representation of a comic book character put on screen. And uh, he was great as Johnny and all, but the the further we can get away from uh, Fantastic Four <laughs> movies, the better. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I have to agree. Uh, Captain America is a far better role for him, I think. He did, you know, he did good as Johnny Storm, but again, obviously he was a lot younger then, so he was still kind of getting warmed up and all that sort of stuff. But um, do you think we would ever, and I wonder, would 
what Chris's thoughts would be on this. Uh, do you think we will ever, maybe down the line, see a potential crossover between the Fantastic Four and be it the Avengers or Captain America? Because um, obviously in the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon, mm-hmm. uh, at the start of the second season, there's you know a full-blown proper crossover. What do you think, Chris? Yeah. I'd like to see it. Um, but I would prefer them to do like they're doing with the comics I would prefer them to do an Avengers versus X-Men which would just you could span that into so many movies mm. whereas the Fantastic Four <sighs> do a lot of people enjoy the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. as you know as comic books or as the films mm-hmm. you know um I've never even seen the Rise of the Silver Surfer one. Right. I've seen the first one and quite enjoyed it for what it was. But um, for me, I think Avengers versus X Men you could have so much more fun with and so much more creativity with. Um, um, I just think that would be an idea, ideal way to go rather than um, using the Fantastic Four, use the X Men because there seems mm-hmm. to be a bigger franchise for that. So if all movie companies were aside, you would. Like to have the X Men in a crossover. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what about you, Mike? I agree with that. Just because of the fact that the Avengers roster is bigger than the Fantastic Four, um, and and we didn't even get all of the Avengers, even all of the core Avengers. I think that it would be more realistic to have an X Men versus uh, movie just because of the size of roster. You know, um, that plus the the only drawback to that is that. I would really, really, really like to see a Hulk thing fight on the screen. Stole uh, my that's... thunder, you son of a gun. <laughs> okay, go ahead, go ahead, Ryan, go ahead. No, no, let Mike finish, and then, and then I'll jump in there. Go ahead. We're talking about Thor, because I heard Stole My Thunder, and then is that what's happening? Or... Uh... <laughs> go ahead, Mike. No, that, 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 that's really I, I I would probably prefer uh, an X-Men versus, uh, versus Avengers movie, if you're going to do it that way, just simply that way you can kind of pair everybody off uh, into individual fights and whatnot. I think it would just logistically be better. Radio, cool. Ryan? Yeah, I am thoroughly enjoying the Avengers vs. X-Men comic that's out right now. Um, so a movie would be great because obviously Avengers was hugely successful and because of the movies from Fox, we everybody knows who the X-Men are. And it, it would definitely be a, a crowd pleaser to see uh, Wolverine and Cyclops on the screen at the same time as Capper and Iron Man and things like that. Um, I think obviously this is in a world where we don't have to worry about movie rights and 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 all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I think it's entirely possible that Marvel could get Fantastic Four back, and um, then you could bring in you could add another brain to the little brain trust with Tony Stark and Bruce Banner. Uh, you could have the Thing and Hulk go at it, which uh, I was a huge fan of seeing Hulk and Thor fight. I would lose my mind seeing <laughs> Hulk and the Thing fight. That would be um, and it would be uh, a little easier on an audience, maybe, if it's just four more characters being added in instead of uh, Xavier's Institute and uh, every, you know all the yeah. mutants we've seen. Um, but uh, I don't think there's any way Fox is letting go of X-Men or Sony is letting go of Spider-Man. So uh, Secret Wars, Civil Wars, all those kind of awesome potentials would... Uh, uh, sadly, I don't think we'll ever see those. Yeah, I don't see an X-Men one happening for quite some time, considering you know First Class was pretty reasonably successful um, anyway we'll round up the Captain America discussion and I will simply ask the both of you starting with Mike did it make you proud to be an American oh absolutely I, when, when you saw 
Captain America on the screen, you uh, it, it sounds kind of silly, but I really did get a sense of pride. It made me feel good inside to 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 see the the red, white, and blue, the stars and stripes being represented as well as it was on on the screen. So yeah, I I, I definitely uh, got the American pride. Cool, Ryan. Not really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Captain America is uh, one, certainly one of my favorite Marvel characters and my favorite Avenger by far. But I don't I don't get politically minded. Uh, you know, left or right or anything, I just don't, I just don't consider it. And to see Captain America, it was all about the comic. It was not about national pride or anything like that. And and uh, I don't uh, tend to think about in those broad sweeping <laughs> things. I don't think about things that matter. I think I want to see <laughs> think, fight. Uh, <laughs> so for me, it wasn't. I didn't get any national pride. My heart didn't swell. An eagle didn't soar. Uh, none of that. Uh, none of that happened for me with the cat movie. I just thought it was awesome. Cool. I was proud to be American. I'm a real American. I didn't American. say I wasn't proud to be American. It's just Cap didn't reinforce that. But I'm a real American. So Ooh, did you fight for the let's, right? Yeah, let's have Hulk Hogan fight Captain America. <laughs> yeah. There was a great picture that on Twitter saying, like, you have an army, we have a Hulk, and then just saw a picture of Hulk Hogan ripping his T-shirt. Nice. <laughs> well, if he can make the gremlins uh, sh- uh, sit down and behave, he should, <laughs> yeah. all, he should be able to uh, hang that's, with the Avengers. That's true. Okay, okay, that'll do it for Captain America. We shall let Ryan introduce what our final single movie is before we get on to the big one. Uh, go ahead, Ryan. Uh, the God of Thunder himself, the Mighty Thor. Awesome. So we will come back with that after the break. A secret civilization thought it was safe. We cannot afford to lose anymore. But when the king was killed, his son vows to avenge his father's death. I must know how to stop him. You and I, we're after the same thing. He thought he could do it alone. But to succeed, the Black Panther must join Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, the Incredible Hulk, and all of the Avengers in the Ultimate Rematch, Ultimate Avengers 2. Ah, it's good to be back. How long before it encompasses the planet? Ten minutes, sir. Get him! They thought the battle was over. They didn't realize it had only just begun. Get ready for the final fight for survival of the planet. Ultimate Avengers 2. Now on DVD. Well, that's embarrassing. Hi there, this is Shane Weber, voice of Scott Tracy here from Thunderbirds. You're listening to Chris and Alan swapping stories and uh, dialogue on Operation Retro Shop. So stay tuned, you never know what you're going to hear.
It's not easy to do what you did. You made my man look like a bunch of minimum wage mall cops. That's hurtful. Would you like to tell me where you received your training? Afghanistan? Chechnya? Who are you? Sacrificed much to achieve peace. For through your arrogance and stupidity, you have opened these peaceful realms and innocent lives to the horror and devastation of war. You are a vain, greedy, cruel boy. And you are an old man and a fool. You're unworthy, father. This is Earth, isn't it? Where did it come from? Your ancestors called it magic. And you call it science. I come from a place where they're one and the same. He's disobeyed his king. His fate is in his own hands now. Hello and welcome back from the break. Okay, so we've had Iron Man, we've had Incredible Hulk, we've had Captain America, and now we're having Ryan's pick of Thor. So Ryan, first off the bat, I've got to ask you, or first off the hammer, I should say, huh? um, I what, did you th- what did you think of Chris Hemsworth being cast in the role of Thor? Kind of an unknown, um, very much like Chris Evans obviously was before he was cast as Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four. So um, did you have somebody in mind for, for Thor? <laughs> uh, I, there were plenty of actors who I didn't want to play Thor. Oh, um, could you it seemed himself? like the internet thought Triple H should do it, which would oh, oh, why? I actually uh, remember that in the build-up to the movie, people saying that he was going he to get five Because he has muscles and he's blonde. Well, that's great. Um, yeah, so does the guy that lives down the street from me. That doesn't mean he should play Thor. Um, I was glad they went... I was thrilled, actually. They went with an unknown. And uh, pretty much the only thing that they could tell people he was in was uh, the new Star Trek movie. He was uh, Kirk's dad that... Uh, Encountered uh, uh, Eric Bana's character, the Romulans, at the very beginning, uh, and had. <laughs> Sorry, to... Alan's having a freak out moment because he didn't know it was him. It's not oh, really? <laughs> oh my <Yep>. god! <laughs> yeah, he so that different. Was, that was him, and I actually remember watching. There's a, a scene when he's talking with the current captain in, at the beginning of Star Trek, and he's like, "You're captain now, Mister Kirk." And the doors close, and they cut to him. I remember sitting in the theater looking. I was like, "That's Captain America." Like, cause he just had the whole like the 
the blonde, the blonde hair, blue eyed look, and just you know, strapping young man kind of thing. And I was like, wow, that could, that guy could be Captain America, because there was a lot of speculation of who was going to be Cap and and things like that as we moved, as you know, Iron Man two was you know gearing up at, the, at when Star Trek came out and things like that. So. Uh, we were thinking like that, and I was like, "Wow, that guy could be Captain America." And then I found out he was Thor, and I was like, "Well, that's that's all right." Mm-hmm. And then I just was glad it was an unknown. And then they started showing screen caps and and teaser images of him, and uh, I was like, "Yeah, this 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 could work out all right." So uh, I was glad they went unknown, and obviously, uh, Chris Helmsworth I think is going to have a very long, healthy career thanks to thanks to uh, that casting decision. So. Uh, Mike, what about yourself? Did you have anyone in mind uh, that you either wanted or didn't want to play um, Thor? No, not really. Um, he was one of those characters that I kind of was racking my brain as to you know well, who could who could do it, and it was just a complete blank. And I had never heard of Chris Hemsworth uh, before this, but I think it was perfect casting. I think he did. A, I think he was he was Thor. Um, no, nobody in particular in mind for you know who to play him or anything. Um, but I did, I do think the uh, not to sound uh, stupid or anything, but they hit the nail on the head uh, by picking uh, Hemsworth. You <laughs> <laughs> just come up with the worst anecdotes I'm ever. Sorry, but it did work out again. Like I've kind of mentioned before, this was the last movie I watched before Avengers because I'd heard, you know, ifs and buts from people, uh, mainly you, um, about it. But I went and watched it, and I really enjoyed it, and he was a big part of it, in my opinion. So, yeah. Yeah, this was a film I watched and didn't particularly enjoy. After I watched The Avengers, I rewatched it. And I do enjoy it now. Um, I did enjoy... I don't know whether it was a case of maybe I'd... Like Captain America, I'd, I didn't know a lot about Thor. You know, like another character that kind of slipped under the radar for me. Um, wasn't really, you know, big into the comics and stuff of it. Um, so after watching the Avengers and seeing the guy, I was just like, oh, really watch Thor again. Um, got it from the iTunes store. Watched it. Really enjoyed it. So, um, like we have with all the other ones, you know, like... Um, I think this one has the best supporting cast, certainly in the realm of parenthood. Um, he certainly has, you know, <laughs> like in Anthony Hopkins and Rennie Russo. Um, Ryan, for yourself, you know, like you had uh, Natalie Portman, obviously you had Tom Hiddleston uh, playing uh, Loki, Anthony Hopkins playing um, his father. Um, who for you particularly, um, Sean, in this film? Uh, that'd be my girl, Nat. Um, that's what I call it. Yay! Uh, Mine, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Natalie Portman. If I had my way, she would be in every movie ever made. Um, but uh, that's—I don't have that power, sadly. Um, I think this is another example of of Marvel going after good actors to play small roles and make realizing that every character is important in, in some in some way or shape or form. Um, I was a big fan of became I guess I should say a big fan of uh, Tom Hiddleston as Loki I had no idea who he was before mm-hmm. Thor and I thought he was brilliant and even more brilliant in Avengers um, I, Idris Elba played uh, Heimdall which I was I've a big fan of that actor or him as an actor I should say um, and again a small part but they get, went out and got a, a good actor to play the small part and then of course Anthony Hopkins is 
Well, he's Anthony Hopkins, isn't he? Um, <laughs> there's perfect. only one, you know, like there's, Samuel there's Jackson, thing, Tommy Jones, Anthony Hopkins. No, well, I don't mean like he plays him, but I mean he's Anthony Hopkins. What more do you have oh, to say? Yeah. You know, you know <laughs> yeah. you're getting, you know you're getting good stuff out of him, and he yeah. was just perfect as Odin. And uh, I'd like to see him. I think Thor two they have said is going to take place in Asgard, so I'm hoping we haven't seen the last of, of of Anthony Hopkins as Odin. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and then we got our, the most uh, Coulson we've ever got up to this point was in Thor. So yeah, certainly it was a big fan of of Agent Coulson being having a prominent part. And the Warriors three, um, Jamie Alexander as Lady Sif, uh, didn't mind that. Obviously, she got overshadowed by Natalie, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what about yourself? Was there a particular one there that, uh, as soon as you saw like the poster or whatever, or you know, like, the trailer, you were kind of delighted that they were in the film? I was very excited about Anthony Hopkins um, doing uh, being cast as Odin. I, I was really excited about that. Um, when I saw Tom Hiddleston as as Loki, I'd never. I'd never heard of him before, but in the costume with the helmet on, he just looked like Loki. I mean, just was absolutely amazing looking, like right on point. Um, for for me, who I thought was um, cast really well was Stellan Sarsgaard. Mm. I think he did he did really really well in in, in this film and in, in the role that he played. As far as like the lesser supporting actors, I think he uh, he he was really really good. Um and Natalie as Jane Foster is good and everything, uh, same as, as Ryan says. I agree wholeheartedly with Mr. Porter on that fact. <laughs> Alan, but, uh, da- Alan just, uh, sorry, Mike. Alan, if you dare say you got excited that Natalie Portman was in, in this film, I don't know <laughs> just to put that out there, okay? Uh, carry on, Mike, sorry. <laughs> no, um, with, with the Marvel Studio movies, they've just continually cast the right people in the right roles. I, I don't I don't think that there's been many people that have been miscast in these in these films. They're they're doing a real good job. Try carefully, Alan. Fine, for flip's sake. <laughs> Calm down, dear. Um <clears throat> for me, Tom Hiddleston steals the show as a newcomer like. Um he is fantastic. He we shall obviously mention him again in the next part of the show, but he is just fantastic. Um, Anthony Hopkins as well. I love the part when obviously Thor's went off and tried to start a fight. He's thought with his fists before he thinks with his brain, um, and he obviously he comes back and Odin is not best impressed because obviously he had to ride in and pretty much save them. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the sort of power behind um, Hopkins when he's doing the, you know, and I take from you your power, you know, the sort of the power he punches out, you believe he is, you know, as they are meant to appear, they are our, you know, Viking gods, so to say. He really, really, you know, backs that up. And again, I loved having Idris Elba in there, even though it was a reasonably small part, it was still important. So yeah, that's that's what I think anyway. Okay. Um, obviously, Alan touched on earlier on the Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes. You know, like at the start of that, <clears throat> we got introduced with every character and like Thor coming down and meeting Jane Foster. <coughs> Excuse me, <coughs> Ryan. How did you feel that? Um, I don't know if this is like a thing that happens in the comic books or whatever, but 
was this a a loyal comic book film for you, like Captain America was? Nope. Um, <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I thought Here we go. They got the they got the Asgard side of it pretty good. Like they, you know, Odin they nailed, and the Warriors three I thought were awesome. Uh, but they definitely built Jane Foster up into a much more important and essential character. So Natalie Portman's not just running around uh, fawning over Thor. Uh, they turned her into a scientist. She's she's just a nurse love interest in the comics, um, or at least initially, and. This this was I think better, uh, you know it's better to have her be important and have her tied into Thor coming to Earth and 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 things instead of again just being the the love interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then where was I going with that? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> just see, his brain just went dead because he's talking I'm about just, Natalie Portman. Just, yep, yep, exactly. My brain has turned to mush. Um, so no, it's not entirely accurate. Like I don't. I don't look at it and get all oh, like that's just like the comic or this is just like the comic. It just despite maintaining certain elements of the comics it just works really really well and this was kind of the movie where it all could have it all could have come crashing down. Mm-hmm. Um they built up something great with Iron Man. Audiences are very familiar be it Ang Lee or the old TV show with Hulk. Um but this was a huge risk on Marvel's part. But you can't have Avengers without Thor. So this very much could have been where it all comes crashing down. But they embraced what makes Thor Thor, and they had Asgard in all its glory, and they actually had the the Bifrost, the Rainbow Bridge. And at the end of the movie, you've got Thor fighting Loki in full, both in full costume on a Rainbow Bridge, and it's not ridiculous. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, so in terms of like this character is just like they are in the comics. No, they didn't. They didn't get that, and that's fine. But they they got the essence of each character or improved on it and then embraced those fantastical qualities about Thor and made audiences love it too. So it's not a from-the-page adaptation, but it's a great uh, modernization, let's call it, of, of what makes Thor who he is, and including the supporting cast. Uh, Mike, same question to yourself. Uh, I, I agree with, with Ryan. This is really the one that they could have dropped the ball with because um, f- for your... You know, run of the mill average, you know, person when they heard Thor, they're probably like, um, who? Who who <laughs> not exactly your most um your most mainstream of heroes. This was the film that I was the most concerned about, how they were gonna pull it off. Um with your other hero films, they're all based on Earth. They're all human characters, um and, and all that kind of stuff. With Thor being a god and having to tie him into a universe um, a, a human universe and make it believable and have Asgard and and the whole interaction there it was really it, it, it was it was a move that could have gone horribly bad but I think that it was done very well um, like Ryan said the, the, the end scene on a, a, a rainbow bridge with uh, you know, with, with Thor and Loki in full costume, could have been really, really ridiculous. It could have been, it could it could have been terrible, and it, it was done really well. Up Rainbow Road from Super Mario Kart. That's, I'll be honest. That's what I thought was going on. <laughs> but it was, it, <laughs> yeah, no, I hate this track. <laughs> Perhaps. But it, it was done real well. Um, and the, the the way that they tied the the Asgardian uh, the Asgardian world into the human world, um, 
they they did a good job with not being with it with it not being you know completely and totally unbelievable. Okay. So I was happy uh, with the way they treated it. Okay. The story was done by J. Michael Straczynski, who I know from Masters of the Universe, and maybe done stuff to do with Spider-Man, I think. Uh, Ryan, um, were you pleased with the way that the story was handled by this? Because I know in certain comic books he's pretty hit and miss, if that would be correct. Uh, yeah, hit and miss, fire and ice is a great way to describe J. Michael Straczynski, <laughs> uh, at least as a comic book writer. I know he... You know, he He's as Chris mentioned, he's done all sorts of stuff, including He Man, and created and wrote all of Babylon Five and stuff like that. But in terms of comics, uh, there's some stuff that by him that I will praise, and there are other things by him that I will never ever read or talk about again. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he was writing Thor at the time and was d- doing really really well with it. So to him, writing the Thor story for the movie. Uh, worked and obviously I'm a big fan of the way it all turned out. So, turned out to be a good choice, but uh, obviously could have gone either way pretty easily. Um, Mike, what about yourself? Were you pleased with the work of JMS? Um, yeah, actually, I, I was. I was really happy uh, with uh, with what he did. One of my f- one of my favorite runs on Thor is his run um, where Doom was kind of the the main villain in in, in the uh, the run that he had on Thor. Um, but it was really, really good, and like uh, Ryan said, he was actually writing the he was writing the book at the time that they were writing the movie, so he was really entrenched in the Thor lore, Thor lore, <laughs> if you will. So yeah, it, it, at the time, it probably couldn't have been in better hands. And he got to have an awesome cameo in the movie too. So okay, so we've talked about the story. Obviously, it was directed by Kenneth Branagh. Um, Alan, what are you, you're jumping up and down here, so do you have something to mention about uh, uh-huh. Mr. Branagh? Uh-huh. He from here. He from Northern Ireland. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I had to put it in there. It's just nice to have a guy from here. He's actually worked on a Marvel movie. I know it sounds a bit weird. Yeah, unfortunately, we can have Liam Neeson in it. Okay, so that I mightn't have wanted actually. <laughs> Liam Neeson is Thor. Oh, could you imagine him as trying to be Odin, considering obviously he's been Clash of the Titans, he's done Zeus. Um, but for me, I think Kenneth Branagh, and I'm not being biased here, but I think he honestly does actually a really, really good job. Um, because the directing of the scene that I kind of really enjoy is uh, where Thor is trying, he's trying to break into basically the shield setup to try and get the hammer back. Yes. Um, and it's raining and all that sort of stuff and he goes for the hammer and obviously he can't lift it because he is not worthy of its power um, and just that whole sort of mood it was really really dark yeah. and just the rain really made the scene and I think that was you know pretty much down to the directing as well as anything else speaking of that before we kind of move on or anything um, we mentioned Coulson had a pretty big part in this movie in comparison to his previous mm-hmm. Um Another guy makes his first appearance setting up Avengers, and that is Agent Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye. Do you not remember seeing him in this, Chris? I do, yes, because he was up It's the very top. minimal, but they set he him up. He was up at the top, and he says to Agent Coulson, I have a shot, do you want me to take it? And he says no. So um, what are your thoughts, Ryan, on Mr. Kenneth Branagh and the fact that, um, obviously, this is another Agent Coulson-heavy um, film, which um, is good? 
Uh, it was great that uh, Kenneth Branagh came on to direct. Obviously, the biggest director to come on to uh, a Marvel movie at that point. Like, big fan of John Favreau, and he's directed some awesome stuff. But he's not exactly a, or at least at the time, was not exactly a big name director. And um, Joe Johnston did Captain America, and I'm a big fan of a lot of movies he's done. But again, not a not an A-list director. And I'm sure that uh, Branagh being on board helps secure some of the uh, supporting roles that we talked about. I know Renee Russo specifically. I know a lot of her stuff got left on the cutting room floor, but she came on pretty much just to work with Kenneth Branagh. So that sort of credibility of that director helps cast these great supporting roles that we've been talking about. Um, Agent Coulson, uh, I'm a huge fan of the character, and so it was great to see as much of him as possible. Barton uh, was great because he calls him Barton, and then you see... uh, him put the gun back and go for the bow. So that was a, a nice little fist pumping moment for me. Um, <laughs> and then uh, just uh, Hawkeye in the comics, uh, and they don't get into it too much in Avengers, which is probably good because there was enough uh, conflict going on on the team already, but has a real problem with authority. Mm. And seeing him argue with Coulson and, do you want me to take this guy out or are you going to send in some more guys for him to beat up? Uh, like, just in a few lines, really, really nailed him. And I thought he was actually a better portrayal of comic Hawkeye in Thor than he was in Avengers. I still like the character, but he's much more ultimate uh, Hawkeye in Avengers. And just from a few lines, he was very much a regular Marvel Universe uh, Hawkeye. And playing off of Coulson was was awesome to see. So, uh, Mike, what about yourself? Uh, well, when I heard the directing choice, I thought it was pretty cool that Gilderoy Lockhart was going to be uh, was going to be directing this movie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But um, Agent Coulson re- really kind of he, he he shines and steals the show in a lot of scenes. Uh, he steals the scenes in, in, in a lot of these uh, in this movie, especially the, when Thor's being held and and Loki shows up to to talk to him and explain to him that Odin has died, and you know is kind of really laying it on thick about how it's you know his fault, uh, you know between the banishment and the upcoming war that he you know he he just couldn't bear it. Um, and that's right after Coulson leaves, and when Loki disappears and Coulson comes in, Thor had just said, uh, you know, goodbye, and Coulson's like, goodbye, I, I just got back. And <laughs> he just, it, it, a lot of, you know, little little one-liners that, that, that he has, I, I really enjoy Coulson in these movies, and I thought that this this one here uh, in the lead-up to Avengers was his was his best role as of yet. As for Hawkeye... I, I couldn't have done much, you know, he didn't really, he didn't get a flashy debut. Um, he was kind of just slid in there under the radar. Um, if you didn't know who he was, you would have never known that it was, that it was Hawkeye. Um, but I think it was done really well, kind of just planting the seed there. Um, my only complaint is maybe I would have liked a little bit of purple in, 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 in the Hawkeye. Um, but uh, like, like Ryan said, there's a lot more ultimate uh, Hawkeye there. But I think it was done really well. Okay. And last question for you, Ryan. Um, obviously, Thor 2 um, is going to be released, whether it's November 2013 or whatever. Um, obviously, Thor 1 was a great success. What would you personally like to see in Thor 2? Natalie Portman. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. That's Nandy. I will wholeheartedly agree with you there. Um, Storyline-wise, uh, I cannot have Natalie Portman naked. It has to still be a certificate PG, you know, for young ages and stuff. Sure. Um, what would you like to see in it? Um, 
Well, since they're, I guess it's kind of a moot point because they've pretty much said, I believe anyway, that it's going to take place in Asgard. So we'll probably get maybe uh, Enchantress or or something like that. Uh, fingers crossed, maybe uh, Better Ray Bill shows up, but that might get a little confusing. Um, but if they do it right, it, it won't matter because all these characters were unknowns at some point. Um, so if they're going to stay in Asgard and play Cosmic with it, I would love to see Better Ray Bill. Uh, if I was in charge of, of Thor two, it would he would take place primarily on Earth, with uh, and play along with the more of the fish out of water, getting used to living on Earth kind of thing, and I would have him go up against the Wrecking Crew with their magical weapons. That uh, since Asgard's not going to execute Loki, he would still uh, be able to manipulate and give the Wrecking the Wrecking Crew their weapons, and uh, there'd be a nice villain for Thor and uh, some great visuals, but. Um, Alas, we're not going to see that. So I'm just going to keep throwing it out there until this gets back to somebody at Marvel and they decide to do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you the best of luck with that. I appreciate that. Uh, what about yourself, Mike? Um, I agree that I think that Enchantress is probably the most logical uh, next villain. Um, Better Ray Bill is, is one of those ones that's just synonymous with Thor. You kind of you weren't going to put him in the in the origin story. Or at least in the uh, in the debut story, but I think in the follow up, it would be really cool to uh, to have him show up. Um, maybe a little bit on you know uh, a little bit on 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 the side. Maybe um, I would like maybe to see uh, Mephisto show up. Maybe a little bit to tie in with the whole God uh, type uh, storyline there. I think that he would be. Just a, another villain to throw in there that would be uh, would be good if you don't. So Fisto was a villain. I yeah. think Yitzu was a villain. <laughs> Even Alan was kind of looking at my figure, going, "What Fisto? What?" I know. He's things. a good guy. <laughs> I know things. <laughs> but you're probably going to go with uh, the the next biggest known Thor villain, so it's probably going to end up being Enchantress. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Okay, Alan. Enchantress sounds good to me. Uh, based off of what I've seen in Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the whole idea of she kind of fancies Thor a bit kind of would be a good dynamic. Um, but we shall see whether uh, Mr. Hiddleston will make a wee background appearance or anything like that. Because obviously oh, he has now been taken back to Asgard with Thor and uh, like says they're not going to kill him because obviously it's too good a character and he can do the manipulating in the background sort of thing would be pretty cool as well. Okay. Super. Okay, well that's the discussion of Thor, so that leads us into nicely the, the blockbuster film uh, of this year. I can't see any other film coming out and, or matching it. Um, I think it's a film that every one of us has seen several times. Uh, we're talking about the Avengers. Um, so join us after the break when we will talk about the Avengers and how our chosen characters fared in the Avengers as well. So join us after the break. Hey guys, I'm Rob Bass from Not Mitten Box. And you're with Chris Vince and Alan Price. And this is Operation Retroshock. Only on the Pop Culture Network. Hello, this is James Etook. If you like 80s cartoons, and let's face it, how could you not, then be sure to pick up a copy of Serial Geek magazine, the glossy 100-page ad-free magazine dedicated to GoBots. And somewhat more importantly, He-Man, She-Ra, Thundercats, Transformers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, etc. Head on over to www.serialgeek.com. That's cereal as in breakfast cereal. Go there now and pick up the animation magazine. 
dedicated to 80s cartoons. Go now! War has started. And we are hopelessly outgunned. Director Fury, I think it's time. Here with the mission, sir. Trying to get me back in the world. Trying to save it. Doctor, we need you to come in. What if I say no? I'll persuade you. What are you asking me to do? It's called the Avengers Initiative. I thought I didn't qualify. Apparently, I'm. What is it? Volatile, self-obsessed, and don't play well with others. I think they need a timeout. How desperate are you? And you call on such lost creatures to defend you. You have made me very desperate. We're not a team. We're a time bomb. This is nothing we were ever trained for. bringing the party to you. And welcome back from the break, everybody. It's finally the part you've all probably been waiting for. Um, I will put a spoiler alert out there right now, but to be quite honest, if you haven't been one of the, what, 2% 2% of the Earth's population that haven't went and seen this movie, then I don't know why you're actually sitting here listening to this. Um, but yes, it is time to speak about the Avengers. Or, as it is in the UK, Avengers Assemble. Right. How awesome was this? Um, I think that has to be said. Um, what did what did we all think about the opening? Uh, sure, Chris, you can start. Start the well, the, the actual opening of whenever the oh right whenever Loki comes down and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I this was a film that I tried to stay away from on the internet and not get things spoiled for me. So seeing Loki appearing was kind of you know uh, right okay that's fair enough because I I quite liked him in Thor and obviously um, knew that he was quite a a, a good film villain and. Tom Hiddleston playing him was very very good so uh, I enjoyed the opening I and particularly enjoy what they did with Hawkeye as well um, the fact was you know like he went with him and you know to try and build this reactor thing but I, I enjoyed the opening of it um, right just from the get go you know there's action and that's what you can kind of expect 
from this film. Uh, if you don't expect action in a Marvel film, then there's something seriously wrong with you. <laughs> uh, Ryan? Uh, I liked the opening, too, um, setting up Loki as the bad guy for anybody who didn't know. Um <laughs> <laughs> and uh, turning uh, Hawkeye into a bad guy was kind of a nice touch. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but I took it as an homage because in the comics, Hawkeye started out as a bad guy. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. And then um, I really thought that they had actually killed, well, sort of, killed Nick Fury. I talked about this in my <laughs> Avengers discussion on the Comics Corner, which you can watch on YouTube. Um, <laughs> early plug, early plug. Yes, indeed. But um, I... There was a lot of, of great things, and I really want to get it on Blu-ray already because there is a banner hanging up in the background of that room where they're experimenting on the Tesseract with S.H.I.E.L.D. scientists, and you can't see it long enough in the movie to make out any of the names on it, but I'm dying to know what, what Easter eggs are on that I on that can't list. see the names. All you can see is NASA and S.H.I.E.L.D. logos. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure there are plenty of Easter eggs on there once uh, people like me get the Blu-ray and can freeze frame it and... Uh, <laughs> geek out so the beginning of it definitely started off with a bang and got the ball rolling right away which is good because then you had a lot of team building to do so you kind of needed to, to throw out an action scene right away to get things rolling before you started to slow it down and bring the team together cool and Mike yeah I like the fact that it rolled right into the action uh, you know you have Loki come down and he starts you know assembling his team you know he gets a scientist he gets a fighter you know, he, he kind of ha- has a plan and knows what he wants to do and how he wants to go about it and isn't wasting any time. Um, and you really didn't... It, it was it was easier to start this movie off right from the jump because you had all of the lead-in movies. You didn't really have to introduce this character or that character or whatever. You could just roll right into the story. So that was that was definitely the right way to go about it in, in, in my eyes because... There wasn't a dull moment right from the jump. It was just hang on to your seats right from the very beginning, which was cool. Cool. For me, I think what's great about this is you could literally attach this right to that wee epilogue in Thor post-credits and go. Because obviously the epilogue at the end of Thor is Selvig with Fury looking at the Tesseract. Yeah. Go on that's worth a look and then that's obviously where this thing kicks off is um, at a NASA and S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, we'll call it a headquarters or something like that or a research facility um, that the Tesseract is hooked up to some sort of machine to you know, see about it becoming an energy source and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. we obviously know other motives later on in the movie but I do think it's a good start and like has been said the idea of Fury just getting shot right out of the bat, you're just like, okay, <laughs> this 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 means business. Um, but yeah, and the, the, the wee twist with uh, Hawkeye immediately going bad, effectively, I think it's good because then it allowed you to go on from this point and start you know, bringing in all the other characters, getting them built up. Not that they needed much building, but it didn't mean that you went straight in, you know, here's another quick few guys. Yeah. He's way off. You know he's with Loki now. So, yeah, that's my opinion anyway. What about you? Okay. Uh, I thought I don't... No, no, I'm talking about for the next point. Yeah, but I forgot the next point. Uh, oh. <laughs> obviously, Mike's pick was Captain America. Uh, so I would like to ask Mike and then Ryan. Mike, in your opinion, do you think that they messed up Captain America's suit? Because I think the 
the hair part of it just did not look right in the posters. You know, Iron, uh, Iron Man looked amazing, Samuel Jackson looked amazing, Scarlett Johansson uh, always looks amazing. Looked amazing, <laughs> yes, definitely. But, you know, it's just a case of with him, it actually looked like a 12-year-old had dressed up as Captain America, in my opinion. Do you think that they got the hair part of the costume wrong? I think they got the whole costume wrong here. I, I, not that I, I don't dislike it, but I like the one from the first Avenger movie so much better. Uh, I mean, and, and I, I talked about it when we were when we were talking about that film. I think that the that the costume was perfect for for what it needed to be, and I really wish they would have carried that on to to this film. So I, I was a little bit disappointed that they changed the costume. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but um, it was a little it was a little closer. It was a little closer to the uh, the USO costume than than, it, than I would have uh, preferred to have it be. Okay, uh, Ryan. Uh, it was a little rough, but I by the end of the movie I'd made my peace with it. It it uh, worked enough once he was out and running around. When he was just standing around on the helicarrier was when you kind of noticed it more. Um, but uh, it, yeah, it's not enough for me to get uh, all hot and bothered about. But it. I definitely prefer the World War II costume. Mm-hmm. I think I would have to agree there. Yeah. Um, in the run-up to this, um, there's a place where we live that's kind of like a big entertainment center, and they had the huge sort of you know posters up, and they had every single character on this big walkway, and you were looking up, and you're like, "Yep, yeah, Iron Man's cool, you know, Thor cool, blah blah blah," and we just looked at the Captain America one, and we just kind of both looked at each other and kind of went. Power Ranger. <laughs> it just had that sort of a feel to us. It just I, I can I know where we're coming from in the sense of it's more like the sort of the USO one. But it's kind of wrong that when it comes into the film that I prefer it when he's running around without it on, you know, without yeah. the top, you know, without his mask sort of on, his helmet. Um I think it's fine when it's just the bottom half of the outfit and him she as shield and all because obviously the scene with later on with Thor where they're just Duking it out with a ton of guys. Yeah. yeah, I think it looks far better than even without the you know the helmet. But moving on uh, to Ryan um, Thor, um, what did you think of his entrance, so to say, Ryan? I thought he had the best entrance of <laughs> all of the uh, the characters in it. Like they, br- you know, they bring in Cap, and that was that one wasn't fair, really. I guess because we saw that already. That was kind of our. Yeah, credit scene in the Captain America movie. Um, uh, Iron Man's was was cool. I was just disappointed by Iron Man because I thought they were going to give us like the deep sea armor because he was underwater mm. and he just came out and it's just the regular suit. And I was like, oh, missed opportunity. You could have made some toys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, and then showing off like you know that he's that smart. He's got suits for multiple you know reasons and occasions. But at the same time, it's kind of cool that suit works underwater too. Um, but when Thor came on, I know the theater just went nuts both times. I've seen it twice so far in theaters, and um, both times the theater just went absolutely nuts when Thor made his appearance. And that whole scene when he comes in and takes Loki, and he and Loki have their uh, conversation, and then he and Iron Man beat the crap out of each other. That whole context of, or sequence that follows his uh, appearance was probably my favorite part of the whole movie. Cool, uh, Mike. Yeah, I, I agree that it, it it was done well, and like Ryan said, the the crowd er, erupted for for the entrance of Thor, and I I really think that it just 
that really is a testament to how people, re- the reception people had to the Thor movie. The, the one that I, I was the most scared of, I think, really did justice to the character, and people really are now starting to latch on to him. So he, I think he's not just um, a guy that nobody knows anymore. I think he's a guy that people are really starting to gravitate to. And uh, I believe that Thor 2 is the, is the next film to come, yes? Uh, or, both, or, or is it Iron Man 3? Both Ed and Iron Man are filming pretty much Iron Man 3, I at the same is time. Is Iron, Ma- okay. Iron Man's getting f- started filming, I think, in a couple of weeks' time, and then Thor is sort of the autumn time, so I think it'll be Iron Man first, followed very quickly by Thor, because yeah, apparently, apparently Marvel say they're going to maybe try, because obviously they're going to want to get to another Avengers pretty soon, they're going to try and maybe get two films out a year, because obviously they're going to have possibly new characters coming in, but we'll get to that later on. And then hopefully Ant-Man somewhere in there, too. Well, that's Yay. the thing. That's one of the possibilities, more than likely. Yeah. Cool. Uh, for me, I think Thor's entrance is pretty awesome. Just the... Uh, it's, it's set up brilliantly. And again, we keep harking back to Hiddleston, but there's Cap and there's Tony Stark. They're in the, they're in the aircraft, and uh, they're just chatting away. And they're like, you know you scared of a bit of lightning and he says <laughs> I'm not fond of what follows and then you just see the big swooping camera shot down coming through the clouds and then he just boom lands on top of it and it's just like yeah that's that's a pretty that's a pretty sweet entrance in my opinion um, I am still going to love Iron Man's one but we'll get to that anyway over to you Chris <laughs> uh, I do like that and the fact that you know Thor obviously gets Loki and pulls him out of there and then um, you know Iron Man then says to Thor you know like you know you kind of piss me off but don't take my stuff um, just the 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 to and fro between the, the two of them and then obviously Captain America then jumping out to spoiler fun um, <laughs> but uh, yeah I enjoyed um, Thor's entrance I, I enjoyed the way that they um, showed Black Widow, uh, because we were sitting in the theatre, and then, who, who doesn't who doesn't enjoy that? No, but then and we were sitting in the theatre watching it, and then the guy is talking to Black Widow, and then oh, I yes, hear so Alan yes. going, "Is that right, Greedo?" Because it just the guy whenever he's talking just sounds like Greedo. Um, so whenever you watch it again, just listen to him, and you'll think, "Yep, that's Greedo." Um, but uh, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the entrance for all the characters the way they were introduced especially for me the pick of the bunch was the way they introduced Banner um, I love the fact that you know you could see him you know still going around you know trying to help people and stuff and uh, can you know like he goes in and the kid runs off and goes I should have got paid up front Banner <laughs> um, just you know like the little things like that so I, I really enjoyed um, that there but I couldn't fault any of the entrances but uh, Thor's was pretty cool because it led to the Thor Iron Man duel in the forest well obviously uh, we're going to be the next one up is Hulk anyway so it is mm-hmm. um, in my opinion I think the, the wee scene between Widow and Banner yeah, in that sort of rundown sort of a shack sort of thing is a great wee exchange just the whole you know like you know, I guess the place is surrounded, and you know, nowhere all alone, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I think this is one of the reasons why Ruffalo got really, really, you know, what is it, critically lauded. I think they've described it as people have really liked his performances. You know, he's talking away, and he's all you know, calm, and all that sort of stuff, and then he does that big snap moment, and he's like, "Oh, sorry, that was really mean." Yeah. Sort of just wanted to see what you were like, sort of thing. <laughs> um, what about you, Mike? 
No, I, I, I agree there. I was, again, the, the recasting of, of Banner from Norton to Ruffalo, I, I didn't know what to think of that because I enjoyed Norton so much in, in that role. And Mark Ruffalo, I haven't seen him in much, but in what I have seen him, or more like chick flick films that I watch it with the wife. And oh, you watch <laughs> it by yourself. Like, stop <laughs> falling to the listeners. And, uh, you know, he really has not left any kind of an impression on me. Um, so I wasn't sure or what what to think, but I thought that he really did a good a good portrayal of, of Banner, and I liked the, uh, the the interaction between Romanoff and and Banner and uh, and, and that whole thing, especially like, like I said with a uh, he, he he's like you know I guess we're surrounded, and it's like oh no it's just me it's just me, and you know kind of trying to the the two trying to play play the other one. And it, yeah. it and it just you know it wasn't it wasn't happening, um, but yeah, a, a good introduction. Um, and again, one that I was worried how how it was going to be, and I was pleasantly I was very pleasantly surprised by Mark Ruffalo in this film. Nice, uh, Ryan. Um, Ruffalo is far and away the best Banner we've seen on screen. Um, he's the shy, awkward. Uh, Norton's too much of a badass to be a good Banner. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And he actually wears glasses, which I know is nitpicky, but damn it, Banner wears glasses, and nobody else ever wore glasses. Um, and then I, I agree, the scene in the shack was 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 phenomenal, and that that was when I was scared of Banner slash the Hulk when he snaps and he's on the verge, and like maybe he's gonna Hulk out. Um, unfortunately, I didn't avoid this movie as much as Chris did. I knew he wasn't gonna Hulk out in the shack, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then I was a huge fan of how he was portrayed when he got to the helicarrier. Like, he didn't really... He was awkward. He was in the way. You know, soldiers were bumping into him and stuff. Um, he was uh, awestruck, as everyone was, by Captain or Captain Rogers. And then the scene with him and Tony in the in the the science lab, I guess. Then they're talking about control. And <laughs> yeah, that's a good Tony's Tony's regurgitating what uh, uh, As- Asif told him in the cave. About uh, should have killed you. Uh, I guess you're still here for a reason. Uh, that whole scene from him poking him with the electronic thing, <laughs> all the way up to the little kind of bromance heart to heart that they have. That whole scene was just awesome. And uh, with actor like with an actor like Ruffalo, that's why that scene worked so well. <laughs> there's just there's just another couple of things that have completely just popped into my head uh, that I'm remembering. Um, again, another scene from the shack. Um, after Romanov pulls the gun out and he says, you know, why don't you put that down and, you know, the other guy doesn't have to come out. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. And then again, mentioning the helicarrier, uh, when he first meets Rogers and Widow's there and, you know, you know, you better get ready to get inside or you're going to have to hold your breath sort of thing. And he's like, they seriously want me inside a pressurized tin <laughs> can. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, right, it's a helicarrier. And he's like, much worse. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else that stood out for you, Chris? Because he is your guy. When, whenever Stark's talking to him and he goes like, I enjoyed your work on such and such, uh, whenever you turn into a big green rage monster, I love your work. You know, like, just <laughs> just that. But I, I think the whole cast really bounced off each other so well. Mm-hmm. But particularly Robert Downey Jr. and Ruffalo. That was a really pleasant surprise. Those two, just you know, because it's like you know, like you, you know, like why don't you sit up? I don't, I don't get a sit. You know, like I don't get a sit. And I loved especially whenever um, 
they're they're all talking and uh, he says about how he tried to kill himself and the other guy got the bullet and spat it out you know like so you've seen Banner you know like Banner has been at the bottom of the barrel and that's why he was helping people because you know like it gave him a worthwhile cause mm-hmm. so um, I, I love the whole portrayal by Ruffalo um, I think they did a, another fantastic job of casting somebody as that and um, the fact is now you know like a six picture deal for him I can't wait to see you know like him in his own Hulk movie or whether he's in the Hulk, you know with Iron Man you know like whether it's a case of he's in Iron Man 3 you know like I, I can't wait to see um, there's him, a possibility definitely. yeah in the future I really, I really do hope he pops up in Iron Man 3 I, I would love that yeah. Um, well, with a with a six picture deal, he's going to have to pop up in these uh, in in these other films. Very, oh, very, very true. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because just just the even if he doesn't come in as the Hulk, like just to have Banner in there, like maybe Tony comes across the problem and needs a little help with, and mm-hmm. Tony's not exactly the kind of guy who would ask for help. But we know that they left when everybody went their separate ways. They left yeah. together. Yeah. They gave him the invite to come hang out at Stark Tower or Avengers Tower, as it probably is, will be now with the little T's <laughs> at the A at the end. Um, I just I think that Ruffalo did so much good with the Banner character that he needs to be featured just as much as the Hulk needs to be featured. Yeah. Uh, Iron Man. <laughs> um, I did really, really enjoy the entrance. I do, I do like the idea of the possibility of maybe down the line we do get a specific suit for certain things because that's again that's something we kind of see in Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes. Yep. Um, Hulkbuster armor. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but I must admit, when the scene started, because I think it's the scene like immediately after. Um, Fury's been talking to Cap, and he says, "You know, if there's anything about the Tesseract, you know." You know, could you tell us? And he says, you know, should have left it in the ocean. Yeah. Was not expecting, you know, an ocean scene to have Iron Man in it. Um, but as soon as I saw, you know, the pipe casing come off and, you know, the wee, what was like an expanding thing uh, going, I was like, that's something related to the arc reactor. And then psh, up he comes. And it's just the back chat between him and Pepper starts as he's flying back towards the tower. And I'm just like, Yep, it's good to have him back. <laughs> you know, it's 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 like welcoming an old friend back, you know, that you haven't seen for a couple of years and um it you just know what they expect with him from point one in this because just as he's flying towards Stark Tower and he's like light it up and it's like, What do you think? And he's like, um, it's like Christmas, but more me. <laughs> um I think he says more meaning. Was it more meaning? I thought I th- it was more I, that's me. what I thought it was. Um like Christmas but with more meaning. That's because that would totally be the uh, that would that would definitely be either way it's the egocentric n- yeah. nature of Tony Stark. That's what I thought he said. Anyway. I guess I'll have to go see it again to make sure. <laughs> I, know, uh, I know I was nearly away again for the fourth time the other day. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just the whole the starting off it, and I think I think Pepper has a far you know yes, it's a small role, but I think what she says. <laughs> oh, it'll be fun when you get to talk. Eighteen <laughs> um, percent, isn't that the the percentage they joke around about? Yes. Yeah. I it was like he starts. What was it? He starts. Yeah, thirteen. He says an argument 13. could be made for fifteen or something like that. You know, he yeah. just bumps it up a wee bit. He's like, I'm going to pay for that later. And she says, I won't be that subtle. <laughs> um, and of course, again, we see Coulson arrives. His first name isn't Phil. It's Agent. Yeah. His first name is Agent. Exactly. <laughs> 
that be one of your favourite parts out of the start of it? That then? and whenever, you know, like he, he said, like, um, I don't like being handed stuff. And Pepper's like, I do like being handed stuff. Let's do an exchange. And go, well, actually, if you're going to give me stuff, it's every other Thursday between, you know, like the hours of this and that. Um, but one of my favourite Iron Man scenes would be whenever, because I've enjoyed playing Marvel Ultimate Alliance, one of my favourite scenes I know is where whenever, you're going. whenever he's mm-hmm. using his his hands, you know, like, and he's firing the blast and he hits it off Captain America's shield and then it just goes round because that was one of the moves that you could is do. Is it his blast or is it the laser sort of thing? You know, the thing? Yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> just that But there, still, it's know. awesome either way. Yeah. Um, and plus the fact that the Hulk saved Iron Man at the end, you know, was was great and all. You know, you had to get that in there, did you? Yeah, of course. Need, needless to I have to say the reason Hulk had to save Iron Man fight about to happen that is the fact that Tony Stark, no matter the he size of his just, ego, no matter the size of his ego, was about to sacrifice himself for everybody. He could have followed Captain America's orders and Hulk smashed, and he could have smashed Iron Man, but he chose not to. No, because he, he did smash Loki. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, did. he did. Yeah, he God. Yeah, apparently that was Ruffalo and Franco's voices meshed together. Yep. Apparently. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, so I know Franco did the Hulk smash in Incredible Hulk. He did the yeah. voice and did all the grunting and, and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that's. But cool. no, it's 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 it came out that uh, it was Ruffalo and Franco's voice like combined for the Hulk. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Uh, what about you guys? What stood out from Iron Man from you guys? Obviously, there is a lot. Uh, obviously, there's the scene in the arsenal with him and there, Thor and stuff like that. There, there is a lot of Iron Man. Uh, for me, like the entrance, not so much the the flying toward the Stark Tower and the um, that, but right after that, when he gets to Stark Tower and he just walks right out of the suit, like they showed it to us in the trailer like a million times. Mm-hmm. But seeing that and then like going home and watching Iron Man and seeing what goes on with getting the suit off in Iron Man versus the, and the transition <laughs> to where he's come like that was that was really really that was really really cool to see and then of course the whole uh, ad lib he did at the end of the movie about the, the shawarma was uh, was hilarious you see we uh, never got to see that over here we didn't uh, get that scene we got, uh, we, got no. the, we got the when he's lying in, on his back sort of stuff right. after that we got the um, you know shawarma afterwards yeah, but, but we didn't, didn't get the actual. Yeah. In the oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that, I've, that's I've, I've seen it on YouTube. It's just them all sitting around the table, and there's not much being said. No. Well, uh, well you just see the world. Shawarma have went up like a million percent or something like that. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure of it. That whole scene was ad libbed. <laughs> he. Uh, it was supposed to be just like a quick one line, get back to work kind of thing, and then he ad libbed the whole. Uh, Please tell me nobody kissed me. I won't, let's go to shawarma. I don't even know what it is, but I want to go. All that was apparently ad libbed by Downey right on set there. Um, yeah, and then what was the other? And I guess just the other half of being such a fan of Banner, obviously uh, the other half of all those scenes is Stark. So um, I was more of a fan of Tony Stark in this movie than I was, I guess, of Iron Man. So cool, um, Mike. Yeah. Uh- my favorite scene for for Iron Man and uh, Tony Stark is is the whole fight with Thor in, in the forest. But for me, where Iron Man really made the biggest impact uh, in, in the film is the interaction with Banner, and really get trying to get Banner to embrace the Hulk. Right? You know, to, to tell, tell him it's something that you know that you should be be proud of. You know, em, embrace it. Know that it's a part of you, and you can use it. Rather than trying to get rid of it and thinking that it's necessarily a, a, a bad thing, so he he was you know a bit of a you know 
a bit of a, 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 a mentoring role in the Tony Stark kind of a way with a little bit of the, the jabs and the, and the pokes and the prods that, that, that he was giving him as well. Just to, you know, just to see what he would do. See, you know, see if, uh, you know, just to see if, if he could do it and, you know, to where he's like, you know, I will, well, what's your secret? What's your secret? And, you know, Banner's finally like, he finally says, you know, I'm, I'm angry all the time. That's the secret. Mm-hmm. You know, now he knows that he can control the beast. Because uh, you kind of see that in the end of The Incredible yeah. Hulk whenever Norton's sitting there and kind of looks up, the eyes are green, and you just see a big smile on his face. Yeah, so right. many people have a problem with with the way that he just all of a sudden can control it in Avengers, but I'm like, well, they kind of tease that yeah. in mm-hmm. in the first one, and it just seems like it doesn't have to be like the comics, because first of all, like the comics varies too. Like Sometimes the Hulk's intelligent, sometimes he's an idiot, sometimes he's a gangster, um, sometimes Banner and the Hulk <laughs> coexist at the same time. Uh, yeah, look up Joe Fixit. Uh, that's one of the Hulk's <laughs> personalities. Uh, um, and I mean, gangster like uh, yeah, see, with a Tommy gun, that kind of gangster, not a <laughs> hey, little hanging, Joey hanging out in <laughs> Vegas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, it seems like in the movies, if he can control the transformation, he can control the Hulk. When he he was he was already pissed off, but he's on the helicarrier and he's trying not to freak out, but he's already bent out of shape. So when he hulks out there, he just loses it. And at the end. He hulks out, and there's still like, to a certain extent, Banner's still gone, but at the same, but he's still in control at the same time. So when he controls, it seems to me in the movies, if he can control the transformation, he can control the Hulk. Yeah. So, yeah, it still allows you to have, uh, Hulk freak out, and people freak out because he's the Hulk, and maybe some Hulkbuster armor or things like that. But also will allow you to have the fun Hulk that everybody was yelling and cheering for at the end of the movie. So I think it, I think it works. Okay. Uh, another big part of all films is the music. Obviously, Alan, you're a big fan of the music because it's done by Alan Silvestri, the guy who did the Back to the Future music. Yep. So, Ryan, uh, no, Mike, sorry. Uh, what were your thoughts on the score for the music, and in particular the Avengers theme played at the end before we see the nice tie-in for the second Avengers film? Uh, I thought it was good. Um, I didn't think there was any, you know, uh, parts of the uh, of the movie where they didn't match up in, as far as uh, as far as uh, feeling. You know, everything seemed to be okay. I'm not really uh, that big into the 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 movie scores or um, the soundtrack too much during the movie because a lot of times for me it kind of just blends into the background, um, and, and unless it's something that's out of place. If it's something that's out of place, um, I'll I'll kind of like a, a red flag will pop up and go, okay, this is kind of weird and it'll take you out of the moment. But um, a good score and a good soundtrack you shouldn't notice, really, for the most part. And, you know, it, it should just feel, it should just be a natural fit. And just, it, it's just all part of the uh, all part of the experience. So for me, I don't really notice while I'm watching a film too much unless it's something that's like really out of the ordinary. Or if it's, you know, uh, you know, a, a popular song, you know, like a radio-friendly song or something like that. That you know, hey, I'll you know, it, it'll catch my attention or whatever. Okay, Ryan. Uh, yeah, to, I myself too am not too musically inclined, so it usually takes multiple viewings for me to start uh, bringing the score into something that's not just part of the overall presentation. So I really can't speak too, too much on the score of the movie <laughs> at this point. Okay, uh, Alan, then. As 
if I'll put my mic on. <laughs> well done, Alan. Uh, I've seen the movie three times, so that, you know, I've been able to focus a wee bit more on it. Didn't notice it as much the first time because you're, you know, first time you're like, I just want to watch this. That's it. This is the whole thing. Um, the main thing, you know, coming out of the first one was the Avengers theme, as you, you know, say. Because um, it's just this sort of, you know, big dramatic sort of, you know, here they are sort of thing. And of course, there's the, as you could say, hero shot when they're all standing over Loki at the end. Mm. And that theme's just pumping out. And you're like, yep, that's pretty cool. Um, I would have liked to see in the credits sort of, you know, Avengers Earth Mightiest Hero theme in there somewhere. That's just me being quite sad. Um, but no, yeah, the music was very important, I think, having seen it that few more times. Um, the tunnel scene at the beginning when they're leaving the sort of NASA shield base, um, that was where it really stood out for me. And I, Because I, I remember saying, even on the first uh, viewing with you, I remember saying, that sounded very Back to the Future. Like at this stage, I completely had forgot that Sylvester was involved with it, because mm-hmm. um, it was that sort of you know, diddly, diddly, you know, sort of you know, something dramatic is happening. Um, but yeah, that stood out for me. Um, what I want to mention now is, and Ryan will probably be very enthused to speak about this. Is um, obviously before we get the whole Coulson thing, which we will get to, um, we have the. Uh, conflict between Cap and Tony Stark aka Iron Man so Ryan did you enjoy how much this kind of played into it um yes I thought it was I mean I know that they don't get along and even in the original like 60s comics they they squabbled and fought with each other almost more than they fought the villain um (laughs) I thought that in this one and, and with what they've set up in the movie the version of Cap he was a little bit too eager to fight like he kept telling Tony to put the suit on put the suit on and I thought that was a little much but um, the the squabbling and the fighting and everybody not getting along um, really 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 worked and it worked just again that's how it is in the comics and that's how it is here but it seemed like to me um, Cap should have been a little more reserved and kind of waited for his moment than he was but that that's that's really a nitpick that's not a, a criticism on the film at all so uh, that would be my only complaint was that Cap was a little too eager to fight to prove it. I thought he should have kind of waited for his moment to prove it, like he did in his own movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, again, that's terribly nitpicky, so it it works. <laughs> Mike, yeah, I thought the chemistry was was really good with that. Um, obviously, you you got two very headstrong characters, uh, Tony being so egocentric and it being all about him kind of has an issue with you know kind of handing over control of a situation to 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 rogers um although i i did think that they did a good job of establishing that captain america was the leader um even though there was a bit of you know back and forth and a bit of a tug of war there i think that in the end they uh they really kind of established that that Captain America was the leader and that he was the one giving the orders and, and and whatnot. So I think that it was I think that part played well. I like the fact that that they, they, they stayed true to to each character individually. Where it could have been real easy to fall into the trap of with it being a group movie, um where they kind of neglected 
each character's individual's personality. I think they really could have fallen into that trap, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony was still Tony uh, in, in in this movie, so I think that I, I think that it was done. It was it was it was it was a tricky it was it was a um, tricky bit of a wire act to to do, but I think they did it well. Cool. Uh, for me, I did enjoy the sort of you know back and forth sort of thing, but. Like you say, Mike, um, I don't know if anybody picked it up, probably did, um, when they are finally sort of, I think it's when they've, you know, it does the big swooping like 360 degree shot round them all when they're all just standing there. Mm-hmm. Tony turns around and says, Cap, take the lead. You know, he says to Cap, you know, what's the orders, you know, yeah. you say. So I think that's kind of sort of got to that point where they're like, okay. You know, he's he's kind of stepped back. In this situation, Cap needs to take the lead. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, the to and fro was cool, and eventually coming on side because of a certain situation. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was cool. Okay. Um, obviously, this film was a huge, huge success. I don't think anyone at Marvel or anyone could have predicted the success the film has had. Um, Mike, do you either see Batman The Dark Knight Rises or the new Spider-Man movie or anyone coming up close that isn't Avengers 2 toppling this from the number one pedestal of the Avengers, of the comic book adaptation in the movie? No, I I, I don't think so. Um, Of the ones that are coming this summer. um, I I don't know about about you guys, but I'm not all that excited for seeing Dark Knight Rises from the trailers that I've seen. I mean, I'm going to see it because, you know, it's a Batman movie and I'm going to have to see it. But um, it's not one that I'm, like, looking at and going, oh, man, this is going to be great. And, you know, I'm really chomping at the bit for it. Mel Mel says that she is. Uh, (laughs) 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 Um, Spider-Man, I don't know what people are going to think about Spider-Man with this know this soft reboot that they're doing um the one movie that i think it's not going to come close but of the rest of the summer movies that i think is going to come closest is going to be gi joe retaliation i think that's the only one that's got a shot of hitting that you know 100 million uh 150 million dollar opening weekend um i I don't right now i'm going to tell you that spider-man and batman are going to have better openings than gi joe well, that 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 wouldn't surprise me. Um, I'm pulling you up right now, Mike. Post, posting you up right now. I <laughs> <laughs> hate to call you out on like this, but uh, yeah, they're 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 gonna do better than GI Joe. As I, I see. I guess maybe it's because I I hope that GI Joe does so well. Um, right. But I, I again, the, the Batman doesn't look like it's gonna be all that great. Spider Man, I think, looks like it's gonna be amazing. But I don't ha, get an amazing Spider Man. Um, <laughs> but doesn't I, matter. <laughs> I don't know what the uh, what the general public is going to think seeing a new Peter Parker, and you know, kind of going. It, it's obviously going back to the beginning, so uh, you know, it's just one of those things. I don't know how the, how the general public is going to take it. If it, if it was just Spider Man Four, think the general public is going to be more responsive to a GI Joe movie than a Spider Man movie, even if it is a reboot. I just think that the I just. Not necessarily because it's G.I. Joe. I think that it just looks like the best movie of the summer aside from Avengers. Okay. No, I got you there, then. Now, it does that, have, like, that, The Rock and Bruce Willis in it, and people know that. Right. It has, it has star power, and the, the trailers that they've shown have just been awesome. 
Right. So I mean that that's really what it is. Not necessarily because it's banking on a GI Joe name. Okay, but, so like, I got you. Cap- oh, Captain right. American Iron Man here of the podcast seem to be uh, bickering <laughs> between each other. Well, it was you and me earlier over Iron Man and Hulk, so you know. <laughs> it's only fair that this would happen. <laughs> but if we bring it down a notch, shall we? R- Ryan, what about you then, or is that your? Uh, I think I think we've kind of got it. <laughs> yeah, I, I am very excited. The more trailers I see for Batman, the more excited I get. I think that people aren't talking about it because Avengers was been building for four years. Um, at least, like tonally and visually, you know what you're getting with Batman. We've seen this this movie, not this movie, but like two movies with these actors and this uh, production team and this director, this writer. We know we know kind of what we're getting into. So I think that's part of the reason there's not a lot of buzz. And I think that the the totals will surprise people. Obviously, they're not going to be Avengers totals. And Spider-Man is is the movie that nobody's talking about right now because of Avengers and because of Dar- uh, Dark Knight Rises. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Spider-Man. Um, I think that Spider-Man as a name will draw a huge crowd regardless. Um, it looks like they're going way off the the reservation in terms of comic book origins and things, they're going to take a lot of liberties and create mm. their own thing, which even then, with, kind of with for, despite... What's that? With Spider-Man, have you even seen any TV spots for Spider-Man? I don't see anything for Spider-Man, other than those of us I've that know it's coming out. That you think about now that I think about it. Yeah, except for those of us that know it's coming out, I don't... And, you know, other than people that have, you know, that, that have seen the trailer in, you know, in the theater, I don't know how many people actually even know that there is a Spider-Man movie coming out this summer. Yeah. And those trailers are getting better and better with Spider-Man, by the way, too. So uh, they they could take all the liberties they want. I just want to be entertained and uh, mm-hmm. get a, a a good adaptation. Like I talked about with these characters before, Iron Man in the movies is not the Iron Man in the comics, but that's okay. And he's yeah. he's entertaining and, and likable and and uh, enough of a facim- fa- ugh, enough similarities to uh, the <laughs> Iron Man comic that it works. So it doesn't have to be just like the comic. It's fine if it's different. Cool. Um, just finally to round up, um, we can't finish without mentioning, you know, a, a wee bit more expanding. Uh, but Coulson, obviously, he's a big Captain America fan. That was quite hilarious throughout it. Um, <laughs> but I think obviously the scene that stands out, and he's kind of the, you can nearly say he even says it himself to Nick Fury. He says this wasn't going to work if they didn't have something. Yeah, you know he is the reason why the Avengers get on the same page. All of his stuff in this was just great, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you two think, Ryan? Um, I think everything was great in this part of because they were setting us up for the fall. Like they built off of Agent Coulson, he's become a fan favorite. He's kind of the the go between between the audience. He's kind of bringing the heroes down to the audience level and bringing the audience up to the heroes level all at the same time. So the audiences identify with him and he is so great and so funny and so likable in the movie simply because they're setting you up for his what becomes his death. Um but like you just mentioned, he's like, "Well, this isn't going to work unless they have something to fight for." And then all of a sudden he dies. Hmm, that's not suspicious. Uh Fury <laughs> on top of everything else the guy lies about probably in lied about the uh, trading cards, might be lying about his death. Mm. Uh, as I said, if you don't see the body, uh, you can't say that he's dead. And even if he is dead, I don't think we've seen, or more importantly, heard the last of him uh, because at some point you can't have an Avengers, you can't have too many more Avengers movies without bringing the Vision into it. And I think they would, uh, he would be the personality basis and voice uh, 
of the Vision should he get made and put into the Avengers movies at some point. So, one way or another, I don't believe for a minute we've seen the last of Coulson. Cool, Mike. Which is good because I want to cry when I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know I'm 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 going to miss him, and I hope that it's definitely not the. I hope it's definitely not the last of the of what we see of him. And I agree that he was definitely that that kind of middleman between us and the heroes, where uh, where he was just where he was just you know trying trying to I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> where he would he was the he shouldn't have been able to to, to boss them around the the way that he did. Um, and you saw how he ended up being such a fanboy for Cap with, with the trading <laughs> cards and everything like that. It, it kind of it just showed you how endearing he he was to to us as as the as the movie watcher. So I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss Coulson. I hope it's not the last we see of him. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, one final quick point I completely forgot about. Um, we can just go pretty rapid fire through this. Is um, obviously for the next Avengers, they're going to bring in more characters. There's more than likely going to be an Ant-Man movie. Um, Whedon has said if he does it, he would want to bring another female into it. Um, so who would you guys most like to see? Would you like to see Ant-Man? Would you like to see the addition of, say, Wasp or you know stuff like that? Uh, Mike? Definitely Ant-Man. Um, and, and you can't have Ant-Man without Wasp. So you got you know the, the two of them together. You know that they are core Avengers. They're they're really the the two most core Avengers that weren't in the film. So mm-hmm. that that's that would be my uh my vote. Cool. And Ryan? Yeah, um sorry, I thought my mic was muted and it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my um, world. Uh, <laughs> They are definitely working on an Ant Man. It's slow going, but so he's going to come in. And if Whedon wants another female, then Wasp is is just a no brainer. Um, apparently, just to throw this out there, Marvel can use uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch as long as they don't refer to them as mutants or the children of Magneto, um, and mm-hmm. vice versa. Fox can use them, but can't talk about them being Avengers. Um, just a little tidbit for all you guys for <laughs> fans out there. So there's a, a slim possibility we'll see Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, but I would much rather see uh, Ant-Man, Wasp, and Vision. Uh, Vision would come in uh, you know, as a result of Wasp and Ant-Man being there. So uh, those are definitely who I would like to see in the inevitable uh, Avengers sequel. Cool. I think that's us. I think that's pretty much everything, isn't it, Chris? Yes, it is indeed. Uh, thank you all for listening, and obviously we can't let people go without uh, promoting the wares. So, uh, Ryan, uh, first of all, over to you, um, and promote all the the goodness that you do. And uh, thanks for educating me in the realm of comics. Um, it's uh, it's nice to get somebody who um, is this good. No, it's not. Go for this instead. Okay, thanks. So, um, over to you, sir. Uh, well, thank you, Chris, because I also enjoy being that guy. It's always nice to and fun to recommend comics to people who don't read them. Um, partly, part of it's making the cult that much bigger, but uh, I always like uh, recommending things to people. So, and I try to do that every week on the Comics Corner, which is my uh, new 
podcast version of my what used to be my written reviews, where I basically go down the list in comics of for the wow, <laughs> go down the list of comics that come out each week and give my thoughts and opinions on them, or at least the ones that are worth giving thoughts and opinions are. Sometimes it's hard to describe a comic, but uh, I pick uh, five or six of the best and talk about them and give my recommendations on them and let you know what you're missing out on. So that is the Comics Corner. comes out about the end of the week, every week. Um, So check it out. Okay, and before you go around as well, uh, thanks for coming on. Um, Obviously, uh, Amazing Spider-Man coming to cinemas soon. Um, We'd like to have you on uh, to talk about the first three Spider-Mans and then our thought on um, Amazing Spider-Man. Would you be up for that? Oh, I suppose I could come out and talk about my favorite superhero of all time. That'd be fine. Okay. Uh, sorry for putting it, uh, giving it such a chore, but you know, these things happen. Yeah, but, we'll we'll uh, we'll get through it the best we can. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and Mike, uh, once again, thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure, whether talking to you on this or Wrestle Shock or What the Shell. So, kind of teased a couple of things there that you do. So, um, if you want to pick one of them, I'll run with that. And just again, uh, thanks very much for coming on, Mike. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, with mentioning What the Shell um, it's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle podcast that yourself and me and Dylan Cook and Sween Hollick uh, we all do a monthly uh, podcast all about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, it's called What the Shell um, we also have a Facebook page it's www.facebook.com forward slash TMNT Classics and we're also on Twitter at, at TMNT Shell and take a listen you'll enjoy it and obviously uh, Mike and I do Wrestle Shock, which you can find on this feed here. Uh, so yeah, listen to that there and uh, let us know what you want us to talk about. Cool. That, that's, that's it. Yes. Um, so yes, uh, everybody, we bid you farewell. We hope you have enjoyed this show. If you want to get in contact, it's at RetroShock316 on Twitter. Um, it's uh, at WrestleShock316 on Twitter as well. So uh, start following the WrestleShock one as well because it's only new, so get the followers up on that one. Uh, if you want to contact me, it's Alan Price of PopCultureNetwork.com and Chris is... Ventoman of PopCultureNetwork.com Next uh, episode is episode 50, so we would like to know what's been your favourite uh, moment or favourite episode of uh, RetroShock. Uh, send us in those there or MP3 files or just written uh, emails so we can read them out in the show. Uh, we've got a little, little treat in store for you. Um, going the RetroShock Retro Route. Um, so we're doing that there. So please let us know what you've enjoyed and uh, look forward to that. Yep, so that's everything for this episode, so we shall see you next time for episode 50. Farewell. Let's do a head count here. Uh, genius, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. I have successfully privatized world peace. The super soldier, a living legend who kind of lives up to the legend. The demigod. Yeah. A couple of master assassins. man with breathtaking anger management issues. And I'm a huge fan of the way you lose control and turn into an enormous green rage monster. Hello, hello. hello. And we're back. We are back. See, I listen. I'm full. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. <laughs> See, you got the we're back thing to do with Ghostbusters 2. <clears throat> All right, okay. All right, so I'm doing Thor, so... Oh, are you now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Got a thought. Sorry. How's that working out for you? Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, buy dinner first. Is it electric? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. okay. Stop with a smut, Alan. <laughs> Did he hammer you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. Uh, I'll take for the end of the show. <laughs> Chris so Vint did not. It's only one minute twenty into the recording. Nice. Chris Vint did not get hammered by Thor. Uh, we're just putting that out there. Not like I put anything. I'm moving on quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and composed. And there came a day unlike any other when Earth's mightiest heroes found themselves united against a common threat. On that day, they became the Avengers, the Invincible Armored Iron Man, Thor, Prince of Thunder. The Hulk, strongest hero there is, and Captain America, the first Avenger. Our world's about to-